Today's episode is part of the Alien and Predator pod crawl for 2014. I mentioned it on the last episode with Lexi Alexander. Um, Just like most things that are epic in nature, the plugs are going to be quite epic in nature, so bear with me. Um, On September 1st, Gobbledygeek is going to be covering Alien. Uh, September 3rd, uh, they're covering Predator. Uh, This show, the the episode you're about to listen to, is Aliens. um, That uh, originally came out on September 5th. Um, Predator 2 will be coming out Monday, September 8th. Uh, Feminine Critique will be covering Alien 3 on September 10th. But You're Wrong, that great podcast, will be covering uh, Predators on September 12th and Alien Resurrection on September 15th. Hollywood Huddle, Towson's Own, uh, uh, will be covering Alien vs. Predator on September 17th and uh, AVP Requiem on September 21st. And right in the middle of that, uh, Ken Edwards' So Let's Get to the Point podcast will be covering Prometheus on September 19th. Um, please tune in. I, I, they're all uh, going to be listed in the show notes. The, the actual uh, podcast websites, but of course they're all available on iTunes. So please get in on the uh, on the pod crawl love. I hope you listen to all of them and uh, spread the love around to all these great podcasts, whether you listen to them or not. Um, you know this is the big part of the uh, the pod crawl point is to uh, get some exposure to some podcasts maybe you never heard of before. Um, great great talks, all of them, and uh, that's going to be going on throughout the whole month of September. One note before we get into the podcast proper, uh, we were recording in a community room at my apartment complex and uh, high ceilings, uh, some some moments of uh, air conditioner turning on, um, and unfortunately we were recording with multiple mics, but uh, one of them failed. So I tried to do my best with the audio. Uh, it might be a little uh, noisy. I tried to fix it as much, but please uh, bear with us. I think you'll get used to uh, the, the, the noisiness, um, the kind of background noise that we have, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy the the show nonetheless. Um, All the plugs for the guests also are going to be in the show notes, and I hope that you will follow them on Twitter, and of course uh, follow up on uh, what Troy is doing. He's always, uh, you know, pushing his uh, his BAM comic, and uh, that's something you should definitely check out. It's a really great comic. Okay, uh, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the first of two Podcrawl episodes for Debatable. This one is James Cameron's Aliens.
Everyone, welcome to the Debatable Podcast. This is part of the Alien and Predator Podcrawl. We are doing aliens today, James Cameron's Aliens, and I am pleased to have four fine people on the show today, uh, straight out of uh, Action to Go-Go, really, uh, and that's why I feel so comfortable, is having a bunch of good writers from Action to Go-Go, minus Derek Scarzella, unfortunately. He couldn't make it on the show today. He had some scheduling conflicts, but let me run, run it down for you. To my immediate right, is Troy Jeffrey Allen, who's been on the show for maybe a thousand times already. Was this a thousand and one? Uh, a thousand, one thousand and three. Yeah, very close. Cool. <laughs> uh, Troy, do you want to give a quick rundown of who you are? Um, yeah, uh, Troy Jeffrey Allen. Um, I write for Action at GoGo, managing editor for Action at GoGo. I uh, also do, most importantly, maybe not most importantly, but importantly, I do uh, a comic, a web comic called BAM, uh, which is about a professional wrestler teaching kids how to fight. Uh, you can, well, I guess I can say that for at the end. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do plugs at the yeah, end. Yeah. My man, Nick. Hey, what's going who on? Who are you? Uh, I want to know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> I am a, I am a internet derelict. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, you, much like the, uh, the space jockey, just a husk and an idea. No, no, no. You gotta tell us <laughs> who you are. No. <laughs> um, tangible terms. Yeah, you can. I'm just a guy. I, I write sometimes. No. Um, uh. I'm good friends with, with Troy. Absolutely. We uh, don't want to jump over the fact that you guys did a podcast together. We, we did, did a radio yes, show together. We did. For we did. A year, uh, two years. Uh-huh. Two years. Mocha. Yeah. Mocha. Menagerie of Kick-Ass. Menagerie of Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. Very we nice. We did do that. Um, you can find me mostly on Twitter, just spouting all sorts of venom. Right on. Um, <laughs> you can look me up. I'm that urban punk. <laughs> I've been that urban punk since MySpace. The man. Same <laughs> line. That's not, that's not aging you at all. Man. No, not, not at, at all. all. No. Still got a top four, right? What's MySpace? <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we're gonna skip over the next man. We're going to leave him for last. Angel fire. <laughs> the Shack House himself, Cy Shackleford, is here. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Very yeah. well. Thank you, Greg. For, thank you for coming in at short notice, too. Uh, we were going to invite you anyway, so don't think that you're replacing anybody. Oh, cool. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> so, happy. so happy to have you. You also, you have a... Well, can you can you run down maybe what your, uh, your prolific... Uh, nature is at Action A Go-Go. What are you known for? I'm basically known for either the, being the resident encyclopedic comic book guy with a specialty in both X-Men and Cosmic Beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do movies and I'm also a hip-hop junkie. There you go. Yeah, so I'm really, I can do it all. Again, I feel like we are overqualified for this podcast. Like we have so many people of different backgrounds and origins and opinions. And speaking of opinions, you can't wear too many condoms with the tip cut off. Can't. You can't. It's not gonna stop it. I never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Any is that? I never heard that. <laughs> speaking of segues, oh, speaking of opinions, Andrew, Alan, finally in person. Oh yay! That's right. <laughs> it's been faded. <laughs> by... For, for many millennia. A man that I Find feel the like, but like most of our conversations and debates today will be yeah. coming from Nick and Andrew, and in fact, they're next to each other, so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the oldest guy and the youngest guy. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Talking about, like, a film, talking about a film, like right yeah, in between. Yeah, pretty absolutely. Much. It's pretty much pretty great, yeah. Tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm a professional Twitter hobgoblin. <laughs> I, uh, I have, you know, 
a long, uh, prolific history of making people very angry on the internet. <laughs> and, um... Do you like trolling? No! It's not honestly really and truly, it's... Well, okay, okay. No, 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 listen. I know it sounds like I'm constantly trying to make people angry, really and truly, I'm not. When I say I like the Phantom Menace, I meant it. Like, I wasn't even kidding. Like, I mean, okay, fine, I may push your buttons a little bit, but I never, like, lie. We're not doing 30 minutes of this, No, okay? I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Uh, let's, I'm just let's clearing, clearing my name, clearing my name. I do happen to make people angry, and it is incidental. If you want to be angry, you can follow me on Twitter at a underscore b underscore Allen. Uh, I, I we would be amiss to not even mention uh, the meme throwing. That's true. Um, that Andrew does, and that, that the Allen family does. I have an issue. Me and my siblings have a problem. Uh, pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. If you ever do, uh, if you're ever able to witness a conversation between Andrew and and he's getting upset, you will you will usually see three pretty standard memes from him, and they're all pretty funny. <laughs> That one right there, that's, 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 that's the one of the day. There we go. That's the one of the day. I'll, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes so you know. Cards on here, you should. So I can just you should. Them what was the caption on that one, Troy? Yeah. What's the caption on that one? Uh, better be sure. Better be sure. Better be sure. For anybody, since this is a, a visual medium, uh, it's a picture of uh, Jack Nicholson as the Joker with a very get the fuck out of your face <laughs> saying, better be sure, sure under it. I had to create that. Did you really? Oh my god, that's oh even gosh. better. Even better. That's even better. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, even better. Even better. <laughs> <laughs> he looks one of those kids back in the day who wasn't allowed to have like a Furby and like his parents made like homemade Furby. He's just like, okay, maybe it's not that better. I had to create that. That's okay, so, we're all like, oh my so gosh. I gave I gave one homework assignment. Yes, and it yes. was Nick here who who was up for it to do a synopsis of James Cameron's Aliens, which we are going to be talking at great length and maybe exhaustively today. Okay, Nick, do you feel good about this? I feel pretty good about okay, this. Okay, give us give exhausted. us the rundown. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Ellen Ripley, the lone survivor of the Nostromo, is awakened from stasis to find that she has been adrift in deep space for 57 years, traumatized by her previous encounter with the alien and trying to cope with her reintroduction to humanity. Ripley accepts an assignment from her former employer, the Wayland yutani Corporation, and as an advisor to the Colonial Marines Unit, tasked with a recon rescue mission to the terraforming colony on LV-426, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which has gone dark. Mm -hmm. Things go wrong. The mission is game over, and Ripley finds herself squaring <laughs> off against aliens, and again, but this time, the stakes are higher. Very, very good. Yes. That gets an applause. Thank you. Thank you. Very nice. This is off the back of the Blu-ray. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, right now. Right. He's like, oh, this is cool. I hope they don't ask for a bibliography. <laughs> So, um, as we said at the beginning of the show, we are made up of different ages. So, I do want to get a good spectrum because we all come from different backgrounds. Right. We certainly came at this movie differently, maybe at different times in our lives. Sai, you want to give us an idea of your memories when the first time you saw Aliens? Gladly. Um, it was at a birthday party for a girl I used to get babysat with, right, when I was six. Holy shit. That's <laughs> really early. Yeah, she, for some reason, her relatives were watching it while the birthday party was going on, right? <laughs> and I remember seeing Michael Bean with a big gun and some sp Spanish chick with, like, a high-top fade almost. <laughs> a Spanish chick who I later learned was played by a Jewish woman. Yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. yeah. With, with, uh, with brown eye, uh, eye contact. Uh -huh, yeah. yeah. She, she, she should have got, got an Oscar for that. Oscar <laughs> for that. I love, also in the special features, they say that they blended her up 
Two yeah. were freckles. <laughs> yeah, 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 you do get also freckles. Yeah. 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 But like, they were watching it, like it was like near, nearly the end of the film, right? Uh -huh. And I was bored of the party after a while, we broke the piñata, so I started watching this film. And mind you, it was on Channel 50, which later became the WB, um. so a lot of things were edited out. Right, right. <laughs> but it came on later on some idle Saturday afternoon. Caught it then, still edited, but I was amazed. But was, this is a child. You were a six-year-old child. Yeah, I watched a lot of movies back then. Wow. My parents never censored me. The only time they censored me was when Basic Instinct first aired on Showtime. <laughs> my mother barged in my room like, what are you watching? <laughs> uh, some movie. I don't want you watching this movie, baby. It's too grown up for you. Okay, I changed it. She left. Fuck out of here, it right back. <laughs> Straight to Beaver shots. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then I bought Alien 1 well, Alien and Aliens uh -huh. later on Blu-ray, right? And after learning about how directors do their thing and telling a story yeah. and techniques they use, I finally got to understand how different both films actually were. Right, right, right. And Aliens, I saw the special edition, which came out in 1992, and the theatrical version. Uh -huh. And personally, the special edition is what they should have shown in the theater. Okay. More, okay. We're that, starting early with some opinions. There we uh, go. Andrew's really happy about this. Yeah. They gave more <laughs> character depth to certain people, and some scenes should have stayed in there. Okay. <laughs> okay. Andrew, what, how did you come to Aliens? Oh. You saw it about a week ago. Oh. <laughs> I've seen Aliens many times. It is one of my Six favorite. Six last Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the Asian comments are yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I, saw, <laughs> right. I saw Aliens. Oh, oh goodness gracious! Say that um, I saw. Um, so <laughs> I saw uh, the original Alien just as a thing. I was at a friend's house. It was sort of like something I we had been building up to. We had been talking about for a while. So uh -huh. I watched the original Alien, and like I thought it was all right. Like I, I at that time, I didn't love it. Admittedly, part of that was an atmosphere thing. I watched it on a small TV. It was far away sure. in his living room, so I was like, eh, it wasn't scary. I loved it later when I watched it, um, and then I watched Aliens at mm -hmm. home. Uh, I, I made it like a point of I was going to watch all the Alien movies after right. that one, right. just on my home. <laughs> Video. I don't remember too much about the very, very first time I watched Aliens. It was in my in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. uh, I just remember I really enjoyed it. Like, you're, 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 I think we've established on the show before. You're you're a man that likes spectacle. I do. Like and spectacle. you also like large, like epic, mm -hmm. sprawling, many film yes. trilogy series and all exactly. that. So let me ask you: When you saw Aliens, did you like it more than Alien? Um. Yes. Yes, I did. Initially, initially, the the gap closed after I rewatched Alien mm -hmm. again and I rewatched Aliens again, and sort of the gap closed a little bit. I think, I think the edge still goes to Aliens, but I'm not like super sure. I watched. I've been watching uh, with some friends who have never seen any of them. I've been rewatching the movies this summer, and you know, it's been you know, it's been it's been a while since I've seen sure. them, but you know, it's still like it's still like a, a close. How old were you when you saw this? Oh goodness, um, I was probably ballpark. Uh, <laughs> 13, 14. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's early teens. I'll find, I find generally, with the exception of some of us who see like action movies really early on, a lot of people come to this yeah. when, when they're teens. This was one of my first actually R-rated series I really watched. This and Terminator were my first two R-rated movie series that I ever do, watched. Yeah. So it was sort of like my, my ascension onto uh -huh. the, the R-rated movie sphere. And uh, this one was like one that, I, that both I latched onto both Terminator and this mm -hmm. pretty 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 big. And you know I watched all all the movies in each series. Um, and so this was sort of like a, a these were big step movies for me. Uh, so you know, Aliens is has is near and dear to my heart. Sure, and sure. I, I really I really love this movie. Every time I watch it, I love it. It's right. Cool. My man Nick. Uh, I saw Aliens for the first time in uh, 1989. Okay. And I was 14. Mm -hmm. um, 
I have, I have a cousin. You always have that cousin whose family is 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 a little lax with HBO and all that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and you always yeah. go to that cousin's house to watch <laughs> and watch rated R movies mm-hmm. and so forth. So um, yeah, I, I saw I saw Aliens for the first time in '89 at 14. Mm-hmm. Um, on cable, uncut. On, on cable, uncut. Um, it, it was a theatrical version, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had seen Alien. And, uh, you know, my father is a huge sci-fi guy. We, we used to get a, a subscription to Omni Magazine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know yeah, who that is. Okay. Oh, wow. yeah. sure. That's <laughs> Omni Magazine. So, no? Okay, we'll explain it sometime. I, I'm excited. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> uh, so, that's the type of, you know, sci-fi pedigree that we had. My dad liked horror movies. So, you know, I was thoroughly early initiated to those sorts of films. Sure. So I'd seen Alien probably when I was like five. Yes. I imagine you had the same similar diet of of action movies and R-rated movies. Exactly. I had just quick aside. I mean, my, my point of view is... A dad, an old, a dad who's older than most of my friends' dad, mm-hmm. and he wants someone to watch movies that he wants to watch. Right. He wants to watch it with his son. Right. So, oh, you're three. We're gonna watch Psycho. <laughs> oh, you're three. You're five. We're gonna watch Rambo. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the funny thing with my father is that he's, for my age, he's actually younger. Uh-huh. He's like a very young right. dad. Um. So. So even more so. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, yeah. He definitely didn't want to so. watch kids' movies. Exactly. So, um, <laughs> when I saw Aliens. I think that t- that age, f- f- uh, the age period of uh, you know thirteen uh-huh. to sixteen. Yeah, yeah. You're. M- I-, I was more impressed by a more up tempo action film. So initially, I enjoyed right. Aliens right. a lot better. Right. right? Um, as I've grown older, they they they've actually mm-hmm. are neck and neck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I-, I I like Alien for for what it is. I think it's a classic. I love it. They serve different purposes. Right. They serve, they serve completely different purposes. Yeah, uh, films almost. You know, one is, one is horror and yeah. one is terror. Yeah, yeah. I know that's a funny thing to But it's true. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, Alien is horror mm-hmm. and, and, and Aliens is, is terror, action terror. Yeah. So They use suspense differently. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, um, so far as the difference between the uh, theatrical version and the uncut version, um, I like them both. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know... Oh, I don't, we're gonna get into it. Yeah, we're I like gonna it. get into it. There's a we're gonna talk a little bit about James Cameron's. Some people would say dubious reputation with special cuts. <laughs> go ahead. I was just I was just wondering is at this table can can we just go around and say each of our favorite alien movies so we know exactly you know like where you're coming from? Yeah, yeah. Where sure, where we're we sure. in relation to each sure, other, absolutely. just so we know. Troy, where did you first see aliens? Um, or do you have memories? Of you know, I was I was trying to run through my head and I I'm pretty certain that I saw Aliens at my dad's place in Rockville on regular television. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not understand it at the time. <laughs> I want to say I was probably about seven or eight. I want to, I like maybe about seven or eight. Mm-hmm. And um, it had commercial breaks. I definitely remember getting up at several points, coming back, having missed a crap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, such was my uh, attention span at the time. Um, it wasn't until like years later, like uh, I, I always kind of equate uh, Jurassic Park with the movie that made me realize movies are things that actually are made. Sure. Um, it wasn't until after that happened and that I started to look at movies as like these uh, these 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 projects mm-hmm. that I went back and started to 
should rewatch the Alien series. Um, I think that also the trigger for that probably was Terminator 2. Because at that point I realized, okay, Steven Spielberg made Jurassic Park. Oh, James Cameron made Terminator 2. Oh, he also made that Aliens mm-hmm. movie. He also, you know, so um, it wasn't until like years later that I decided to kind of like knuckle down and actually kind of look at the entire series as a, as a franchise. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's my earliest memory. It's not very interesting, but but I mean it's 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 pretty typical. I would say. Yeah. Mine's very similar. None of us saw it in the theater. I'm not that, yeah, I yeah. expected you to, to at least have seen it in the theater. Yeah, but, it but came you were out, too young for that. It came yeah. out in '86. Yeah. And it was a, a yeah. radar movie. Right. I didn't see it in the theater until it played down here to AFI. Yeah. yeah. We both saw it. Yeah. Nice. Oh, when was that? Uh, four or five years ago? Yeah. Oh, you should have invited me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a very similar story. Uh, Fox 5 here in D.C. used mm-hmm. to have their movie matinee or movie Sundays. Oh, yeah. You know, you remember this? I do remember that. Um, and before FX, I know. <laughs> let, me, let me explain for your reference. Uh-huh. Uh, so they would get, of course, all the Fox movies, and they would play them ad nauseum. I mean, every few weeks you'd see Predator on there. Every few weeks you'd see Aliens on there. So, of course, I saw the cut version. Also, as memory serves, and this could be complete bullshit, um, I don't remember the um, Newt and Ripley in the lab getting attacked by the facehuggers. I could have sworn That's that that was... scene. I, I could have sworn that that might have been cut out to make it, you know, add more... Plus, it's the middle of the day, too. It was like 4 o'clock. And plus, when they show it on channels like that, really, they tend to add some deleted scenes yeah. in there that were that they don't show on like the premium cable well, back channels. Back in the day, Black yeah. Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Aliens actually was my first Alien movie, Alien franchise movie. Ah, oh, um, I did and it was uh, somewhere in there, the 8, 9, 10-year-old area. And uh, saw, saw Alien, and uh, actually, funny enough, so that must have been right before 93 because I did see Alien 3 in the theater with my mother and had we had to go to another movie because I was so freaked out <laughs> in the first like 20 minutes of Alien 3. If you've ever seen Alien 3 and can imagine a child's mind, uh, that is a very yeah. scary movie. Wow, what, how old were you when you saw Alien 3? So 93, I would have been 10. 92, I thought. Wow. Or 92, 92, 92, 92. Yeah, 92. So 9 or 10 years old. Wow. But, uh, so Aliens was the first one, saw it cut, and I, I gotta say, the reason I wanted to bring up the Dark Horse comics is I had never seen, the, I'd never remembered if I had seen it, but that lab scene, but the Dark Horse comics not only brought in deleted scenes, but it was the first time that I saw a complete movie version or the complete version of that story really? I didn't see it until much later and it's in its full form so yeah that's where I came it's actually the first alien movie I saw cool actually you know what I didn't you just reminded me of something I'm pretty certain my first understanding of alien or predator was from comics yeah I'm more than certain of that actually. right I completely mm-hmm. about that right. yeah like it was I was reading of course a ton of Marvel shit at the time mm-hmm. I was going to a comic book store like liquor store <laughs> to get comics like on a pretty regular basis sure. and like yeah there would always be Alien uh-huh. Predator from Dark Horse yeah, yeah. you yeah, guys yeah. make me feel very old mm-hmm. see the interesting thing about, the, about that is that when you're gonna we're gonna have a baseline of what our favorite Alien movie was right. I was gonna say the Dark Horse comic run in the 90s yeah, yeah. was my favorite yeah. because mm-hmm. for me um, unlike, back in back in the the late eighties and, and, and through the nineties, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't ha- there was no internet. Yeah, you, no. there were no fan pages. No. There was no play. There was no Wikipedia. You thought you were all alone. You you were you <laughs> were all alone except for Dark Horse. So mm-hmm. by the time Alien Three came out in like 90, 92, mm-hmm. 93, mm-hmm. right? I'm seventeen. Yeah. Okay, so I saw that in the theater. 
Um, oh, leading up to that, I had gorged myself on Dark Horse, Alien, and Predator comics and novels, um, which to me was like manna from heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, I was, you know, I lived in, in Wheaton and uh, I was always in Barbarian comics <laughs> and I was always getting Dark Horse comics, you know, and um, so that, that, that for me was like, like, wow, there's more stuff. Right. Yes, right. this right. is awesome. So, right. uh, yeah. But I, yeah, that's, it's interesting too, because I think that so often I come at things from seeing Especially early on, movies out of order, you know? I think the only series, ser- series plural, that I've seen in order are like Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, Die Hard. But, I, but there's so many where you see just one and you go back, especially as a kid. You don't know, you I don't fucking know. I saw three first or Yeah, reason. there you go. <laughs> I don't even know what that feels like. What does that feel like? You go backwards like, Leo gets well, I was years later when I watched first Lethal Weapon. I saw the first. I saw Lethal Weapon three like initially, and then it's just like years later. I was like, I like Lethal Weapon three enough. Like I was amused. Right. I was like twelve. It, so and then I watched something else, and you know, <laughs> um, so, you go back to Lethal Weapon one. You're like, where's Leo gets? Where is he? I had done my research prior okay, to watching okay. it, so like I knew what I was getting into, but it was still like a different experience than I watched Lethal Weapon four. And that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's why I refuse to buy it. It's, uh, <laughs> if they come out with Lethal Weapon 3 on Blu ray by itself, I'll get that. But I refuse to get the fourth one. Totally with you. It was too it's funny. It's the same reason I won't buy Indiana Jones. Shut up, Andrew. Okay, Andrew. okay, geez. What is Andrew? What, what is your favorite alien movie since we're going to start with you? What's the rubric? Yeah. Um, your baseline. The assembly cut of Alien 3. Okay. I actually. I've never fine. seen the theatrical version. That's good for you. I heard, I heard, I did my research prior and I knew that the one that was closer to David Fincher's original version right. is uh, the assembly cut. So I watched that and I loved it and I looked up exactly what was extended mm-hmm. and what was not. And I realized I never wanted to see a movie that didn't have the parts that were added into the assembly cut in. So I've only ever seen that version. That one's my favorite. Right mm-hmm. What did you think of The Rock? Of Rock. <laughs> oh, Dutton. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, you guys don't know him. Do you no, know him as Rock? Rock? He has no favorite reference. R.O.C. Rock? He had a TV show called Rock. Back I misspoke. I'm vaguely aware, yeah. aware of that. Vaguely aware of that. I don't know. I, I know. As as you, I saw him in Rudy. As you might be able to tell from you don't this, know nobody except yourself. As you <laughs> might be able to tell from this, it's going to be a lot of putting Andrew in, in, his, in his generation. Oh yes, <laughs> I anticipate this deeply. So, to my credit, I've never seen Alien vs Predator or Requiem. Good for you. You, I, you know what? I saw it, and I'm not even sure I saw it. It's so fucking dark. It's so darkly lit. You can't watch it. I saw clips on YouTube. I was like, what's this It's got cool ideas. It's got cool ideas, but I mean, outside of, it's just like cool vignettes. Right. Yeah. That, right. Yeah. It's not a real movie. No. It's not, it's favorite alien movie. Okay, I've seen all the aliens, all the alien movies in the franchise from Alien to Prometheus, right? And I have to say that Aliens Special Edition has been my favorite version. And they got more deeply into Ripley's character, like mm-hmm. the scene that they included in there about her daughter. Yes, right. Right. yes, yes, yes. yes. That was, I think that yeah. was a pivotal scene that should have been in the theatrical version. It shows her what she's lost, all the time that's passed, and how it's going to affect her. And having a daughter, and, and looking at the fact that she hasn't aged in 57 years, yeah, having yeah. a daughter who's old enough to be her grandmother now. Right. 
also right. how it affects her relationship with Newt. Like it just, yeah. it's it's just trying to recapture her with the weird. daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Excuse me, Rebecca. Only my brother calls me Rebecca. I'm a brother. Her brother, not a silly. Um, you know what? Any given day. Okay, so it, so it 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 flips up for me. Um, some like at least half of the year it's alien. Yeah. And at least the other half of the year is yeah. aliens. Yeah. It depends. During the summer, I feel it's aliens. Yeah. And in the winter. Yes. You're absolutely it's right. It's dark outside yeah. early. Um, yeah. Alien. Those two movies are so different from each other, yeah. yet yet complement each other yes. so completely yeah. with Absolutely. the with the through line of, of, of Sigourney Weaver's uh, Ellen Ripley Absolutely. that I don't I don't know that that any other series of films two films that were intended to be in a series uh, has ever done so as what well, because yeah. you know Aliens came along after and it wasn't really intent there was no intention in after Alien for right. there to be a sequel right right, right. in fact um, Fox didn't think that it did well enough to right. warrant one right so. This is a this is during a time when there were no maxi series, right. and the only trilogies that you that you knew of was The Godfather, uh-huh. and, um, Indiana Jones, and Star Wars. Right, right. There was really no other trilogies. Right. Yeah. As far as uh, Hollywood was concerned, even Alien was outside of that circle because it wasn't like Spielberg, Lucas, right. Hollywood. Right. It was made in in uh, London, made in the UK, and it was very UK based, even though it was a Hollywood horror, movie. Horror movie in space, first right. kind. Of, right. Yeah. Troy. Um, in terms of favorite versions, or yeah, favorite, favorite movie, movie. favorite movie, um, movie franchise. Favorite version. Yeah. You know, actually, okay. Nick brings up a really good point. I like, I've definitely caught myself like wanting to watch Alien, particularly around Halloween. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And during the summertime, mm-hmm. I've frequently watched Aliens. Yep. Right. Um, that being said, I think, with the exception of maybe one or two things, I prefer Alien. Um, just because I think it's, and that's not to say that Aliens is not a gorgeous movie, but I think that Alien is just like a, such a triumph of like production design yeah. and like just like it's like the, the the way that the suspense is like crafted, you know, mm-hmm. like it's very steady, absolutely, you know, and I can't blame James Cam- James Cameron for going for something a little bit more explosive. Right. You know, the movie Alien starts off steady. He yeah. did. James Cameron. James Cameron. Cameron, Yeah, it's a soul build. What What's beautiful about James Cameron, who happens to be one of my favorite, he's in my wheelhouse of favorite directors. Okay, what I feel is the beauty about him is he does what he knows and he enjoys. Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm. You know, he does. He. He he didn't do Titanic because it's a nice quiet, right? No, you know, it's an emotional movie. Obsessed. He did Titanic because mm-hmm. the dude likes to get in submarines and go to the Marianas yeah. Trench. Yeah. Okay, yeah. he's obsessed yeah. with the Titanic yeah. and the bottom of the ocean. Absolutely. So when he did Aliens, he he just continued on the line of of, of what he learned and what he loved doing with with Corman. And yeah. this is just making like popcorn munching sci-fi, like, sci-fi mm-hmm. you know, very very military, you know, very. Sci-fi military. I mean, I think he set the gold standard for sci-fi military on film. Oh, absolutely. And, and not just in this medium. We're going to get to it. Not yeah, just yeah, this yeah, medium. Yeah. Absolutely. Halo is literally alien. Absolutely. Yes, is. absolutely. We're going to talk about that. I think that it's interesting, too, because you talk about the different cuts and everything. i, I got to say right away that Alien and Aliens throughout my life have been, just like you guys said, two sides of that coin. And I've liked them both just neck and neck, so parallel. 
um, for different reasons. You know, when I when I want a horror movie, a well shaped horror movie with suspense. I mean, fucking. Um, oh, what's his name? What's uh, what's the captain in? Uh, oh, in yes, other? that sequence. Uh, when he's in the fucking tunnel. Yes. When Tom Scarrett's character. Tom Scarrett's in Dallas. Dallas uh-huh. Exactly. When he's in that fucking tunnel. I mean, there's a few suspense scenes that are better. I was this close to saying Burt Reynolds. He is like because he kind of looks like Burt Reynolds. There, there he goes. That's a great scene. That just one of those scenes that really hold. Yeah, you know, awesome. Like watching Men this summer again with people who've never seen it before, which is always like it's. I, I'm using these these people sort of almost as like a litmus test. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, how, what part of this is nostalgia? What part? Of, I'm doing this all these different movies, but sure. like that was one of those scenes that definitively was like this scene. Yeah. Without question, like this, this holds yeah, up. Yeah, like yeah. this is mm-hmm. good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I kind of. That's why I, I have to kind of edge out aliens just a little bit in favor of Alien because yeah. it is a kind of. There's a timing to it. It's so taut, mm-hmm. you know, and oh. like it's. Cameron, James Cameron mm-hmm. loves his little. I, I, I call it. I, I'm sure there's a term for it, but mm-hmm. he loves literal timing. Yeah. His movies. Oh yeah, and That's Aliens yeah, is yeah. full of it. Oh yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah, sure. The entire finale. <laughs> well, you can tell there's two. There's like yeah. two, two, two main things. Two, well, there's two main moments in Aliens where he uses literal timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when the dropship is coming uh-huh. to the to the colony, mm-hmm. when they say it's going to be five minutes, yeah, yeah. it's actually five minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. And at the finale, mm-hmm. when um they, when they're when they're le- when when the countdown of the yeah. of the colony exploding is yeah. mm-hmm. a real countdown. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, well, actually, when I say I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say when I guess I maybe I I might be missing using the term timing or at least like in, in that context like it's more along the lines of how he paces yeah. how Scott paces things out versus how James Cameron paces well absolutely out. I mean also if you're coming to it from when Alien came out it's not a slasher movie, but it's in the vein of Ten Little Indians, if you're aware of that yes. kind of story. Whereas Aliens, I mean, James Cameron's really doing Platoon. He's doing a Vietnam combat picture. I love this uh, line. Gail Ann Hurd was in the, uh, the producer of it. Um, was Wait a minute, in, uh, just to clarify, is, is that a woman? Yeah. Gail Ann Hurd. Oh, yeah. Is that a woman? Yes, it is. That oh, is okay. Right. Uh, <laughs> continue. She, uh, I, I thought there were no women doing cool things. Things like this until like 2009. <laughs> she was the original Catherine Bigelow. Oh, okay. She was quoting. Uh, she was quoting Cameron on what his mission statement was with the movie, and she was saying, "We're not here. We're making a sequel. We are not making a remake. We're not making a retread. We're making a sequel. We're not making a gothic horror movie like Alien. We're making a combat picture." And I think that if you go into it knowing that, you know what to expect. That terror comes at you, but it's almost, like you said before, it's almost like a, a wartime terror. It's like you're in the middle of a fucking battle-type terror. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fog of war. There's yeah. a fog of war element that's, that's, that's present in, in Aliens. Right. That's I also great. think it's, it's very deliberate that the first quarter of Aliens, of Aliens, um, is uh, paced somewhat similarly to the previous film. Yeah, like it's not, it doesn't seem like it's in a rush to get anywhere. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. And but then when when once like the movie like takes off, it blows. It up. just never stops. Well, it's like also, literally, and I, think, it, I feel it, like it's almost like an explosion. <laughs> it's like it's it's alien, no, and then yeah. the thing but, literally blows up as soon as those ammo packets explode, and then the movie turns into a different movie. Let me tell you. Okay, so for me, I think I think it, the, the, the demarcation it's not quite alien. 
at the first quarter. Um, but it's got baggage. It's got baggage. Yeah, the pace is, yeah, yeah. it's got baggage. You still, you got her having that, you, you got Ripley having right. a dream, the cat yeah. freaking out. Josie's freaking out. And, and, then, and then I think the point with this where, where Cameron said, okay, enough of that. Let's punch, let's punch this up a couple, a, a right. couple gears is the moment Ripley accepts the job. Right. And she and she and she doesn't allow Burke to finish saying good night or thank you. She just yanks that card. Yeah. Click. Okay, yeah. good. We're going to kill, right? Really? All right, good. Click. Yeah. And yeah. when she take, yanks that card, uh-huh. that's kind of like a, a door slamming. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And okay. you go okay. right. Okay. In. Okay. You saps in your seats. Right. Yeah. And you go yeah. into almost right. a boot camp. It's Corman yeah. time. You go into. <laughs> <laughs> you go into ship. Yep. Troops. Yep. How, what was the operation? Right, mm-hmm. and you and you meet all the people. Yeah, and even their shit. Even their right. displaced platoon. Yeah, yeah. even their routines too. Because it's interesting that you bring up the parallel of the movie Platoon, which came out in the same year. Because yeah, yeah. the way Stone did that, similar to what James Cameron did with Aliens, was try to immerse the audience into that combat kind of environment. Right, mm-hmm. like even with the sounds, minus everything except for the smell. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. So I think it was a good idea in order to keep the audience engaged with it and to tell a story. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that that Vietnam uh, and and also combat influence on it because it seems like Sid Mead and Ron Cobb, guys that are doing these designs, um, from the ships to the interiors to the guns to the the costume design, everything seems to be very. Vietnam. You got Huey helicopters, obviously right. being co-opted for those dropships. Were any of those guys like part of Vietnam at one point? Well, the technical okay. advisors. Al Matthews was. Yeah. Okay. Ahon. Ahon yeah. was a sergeant. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I know um, Sid Mead and Rob. Ron, uh, Ron Cobb. Rob, Ron Cobb. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the points that they actually made was in the design was that, like, just in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like. Vietnam is still very fresh. Sure. Oh, yeah. So that frame of reference, just like how Star Wars had the frame of reference for for World War Two. Right. Okay. You know, yeah. Like like you know, it was very much like that. Like the, that that imagery was very much still like very much part of like the. Well, several movies were coming out and back so, then. That's that absolutely, it very that's much absolutely true. It very much informed the, uh, it's that, the design. It's that cycle, too, because obviously Star Wars is coming out two years after the end of Vietnam you know, War, right. and it was still super sensitive. Yeah. Right? They I didn't mean, touch that at all. They didn't touch no. it for, for 10 years, for, for a I decade. Mean, no, I mean, the first movie to touch on it was, what, The Deer Hunter? Deer Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apocalypse Now and Deer Hunter, yeah. yeah. And then in the 80s, it became like a staple to add a Vietnam, to have characters with a Vietnam War background, like Lethal Weapon. Uh-huh. Both yeah. Riggs well, and Murdoch had that. That was really what you had. Yeah. In the first film, who were around. John Rambo. The action obviously got harder too. Yeah. It's not just the influence from Hong Kong cinema or anything else. It's, uh-huh. it's really seeing fucking news footage with people's limbs being blown right. off. I mean, you've seen Rambo, yeah. you're seeing hard uh-huh. R action. Right. And that stuff was in the air. Like, yeah. that's, that's yeah. the key thing there. I think the thing people forget when they when they talk about violence in film, mm-hmm. it's like it really is about what is going. That happens, yeah. yeah. Like what we're experiencing at that time. Exactly. Right. And there hadn't been there hadn't been a militaristic sci-fi uh, film in that vein until Aliens. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, sci-fi was was in two sci-fi at that point '86 was in two areas, uh, maybe three. Okay, I would say it, it was the space opera, which mm-hmm. Star Wars sure. had that locked up. Sure. Right, and nobody else. Every, everybody saw that they couldn't do it like Lucas, so they didn't try. Right, you had Star Trek, right, which is that high sci-fi stuff in space, right, or you had the super earnest sci-fi 
that I think you know was coming from you know 2001. Well, you friendly aliens. You got a per you got this close encounters. You right. got. I was gonna say that you got this good. perfect time period because '79, when Alien comes out, we have an evil Alien. Right. Alien is a bad guy. Right. Three years later, we have ET, e. exactly the most lovable, cuddable. Right. And it's so funny. Also, as an aside, 1982, fucking the Thing comes out. Yeah. John right. Carpenter's the yeah. Thing. Again, Close yeah. Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. Is also yeah. in there. Yes. Right. So you yeah. had this mix of obviously good aliens are doing a lot better than bad aliens. Right. So it's it's not completely out of the question. Why would we make a sequel to? Alien in the first place, right? You know, it's not doing as well as the, the ones where we can franchise sure. our toys. Money, money wise, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. Um, and, but there, there was a, there, there was a, I guess, uh, the idea of um, of these more adult alien movies yeah, yeah. was something that was like, okay, can we can we also equate possibly the the rise of the slasher film? Surely, sure. oh, I mean, probably at least give like, at least give aliens some legs with Fox to yeah. make oh yeah make something like a, another haunted house type. <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> yeah. well, the thing about the thing about aliens is that you know um, James Cameron came up with the idea for for the sequel mm -hmm. to, to Alien, right? Yeah, he went to Fox with it. Fox was like, nah, because Alien didn't make that much money. Mm. But they said, hey, look. If this if this Terminator thing kicks off for right. you, if you do well with Terminator, yeah. then sure, buddy. And, right. get, and guess what? He Thank did Terminator, and it was a it was a, it was a hit yeah. to, to the fences. Right. Yeah. And so he was able to make Aliens. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you you think about how many films James Cameron has made. Mm -hmm. Not and, a lot. And you can count them on two hands, mm -hmm. yeah. yes. right? And still Bad have fingers money. left over. Mm -hmm. um, I, it kind of irks me that people don't give him. Sometimes you find people talk about James Cameron. Sometimes I've found people talking about him in the same vein as like a Michael Bay, and that no. sir is uh, irrational. You can't yeah. tell a story without making explosions. Here, Michael here, Bay. Here's my thing: you want to if you want to go down an IMDb page and realize that almost every single one of this person's films is a benchmark. Look at James Cameron's yeah. fucking film. Every, whether it, whether except, it's except, special effects, except for uh, Piranha <laughs> 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 Which is not a benchmark. Which, which I, I would call it. I like Piranha Two. I, I remember seeing Piranha Two. Is it called the spawning? <laughs> yes. I saw Piranha Two. It's an origin story. Sometimes they can't be wonderful. At a drive-in theater in in, in in Troy, Alabama. Okay, so you know the, the, the piranhas had wings. They were right. flying. So you're right. You go down James Cameron's list of movies, mm -hmm. and people like to like to ride, to, uh, um, you know, Titanic. Right. But you know. I saw freaking Titanic three times. <laughs> but see, even if you don't like, this is my thing. Even if you don't like singular movies in there, you can't deny that each one of them is either a special effects landmark, mm -hmm. abyss. A, yeah, absolutely. Without abyss, you don't have Terminator Two or just well-made movies. Yeah. You didn't. You don't walk out of a James Cameron movie and feel like yeah. Right. So right. you know, right. by the time I, I, I like what Troy's talking about when he when he started to realize. Oh, these movies are made by people. Yeah. yeah. Let me. Oh, I need to figure out what the director does and see what other stuff he's done. Right. By the time after after I I'd come to that conclusion with with Aliens and James Cameron, I'd I'd seen Terminator Two and I saw Terminator Two in the theater. Huh. It was one of my first rated R movies. I oh yeah. To I remember myself. That. Wheaton I remember. Theater. And I saw that in the, I saw that in Wheaton Theater myself. Mm -hmm. I saw that in the theater. I was like, James Cameron is my man. Mm -hmm. I like I love Lucas, but. He was the besides Spielberg and Lucas, 
Cameron was the next guy. He was, third, to, yeah. he was the third. He was the third yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he still um, is the third wrong, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I didn't even. I wasn't yeah. even born. He is. <laughs> yeah. He is. So when, still the So when the abyss came out, and I saw the abyss, and, and you know, I didn't mind seeing Titanic, but you know, um, James Cameron. This this one, I don't think anybody else yet has a, the only other film, you know, sci-fi militaristic film of this nature that can hold maybe a can. Uh, that can that could go to class with aliens is Starship Troopers, and that's because okay, okay. And, and that's a Verhoeven. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, it, come on. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's well, Verhoeven, Verhoeven himself has his own cult, and I think it's around Robocop personally. I think yeah, Robocop yeah. is yeah. a yeah, benchmark for s- satire. About. <laughs> just, like, there's no, there's no like. You couldn't even Hover. like. I mean, I'm trying to think. What, what is the Paul Verhoeven? The Hollow Man cult. Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. Total Recall. Total yeah, but like, let's yeah. be real. It's yeah. always gonna be Robocop. Like, I, uh, I, or Total Recall. It's Total. Total Recall is pretty. But still, here, here, here's for a time period. Here's then. a trilogy: yeah. Robocop, Total Recall, Starship, Starship Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. If you watch those three movies in the afternoon, in a weekend, on a weekend, on a Saturday weekend, and watch Total Recall, you will be, you will be incredibly violent. <laughs> you will eat red meat, and you'll feel content. You will feel content. You'll be I thought you said you're going to be feeling tits, and I'm like, wait, hold on, that's part of it. Yes, three tits. Yes, in yes. your head. Starship Troopers, you probably. I'll buy that for a dollar. You know, the interesting thing we're, we're talking kind of slutty. We're talking about the type of movie that he's making, and I'm understanding like. This is this is really a a benchmark when it comes to what a sequel is, yes. right? Because like Cameron Cameron has this interest in the alien life cycle, but he wanted to build the story from that. It's not yeah. like he was interested in redoing the same exact thing, right? Well, and, and here's the thing, and I've I've had this thought for a little while. I think Cameron was the first of a certain breed of filmmaker that we're actually seeing even more of now, who can take existing properties mm-hmm. and do something that even if it isn't the best thing ever, they can do something that they really loved and wanted to do out of it like it isn't just like for instance i have my own i have my own opinions about like the the 2014 godzilla but that was legitimately a film that somebody who who is a filmmaker with a vision could take an existing and a fan fan can take it can take an existing property and for all its flaws was still something that he had a vision for and you can see that with all these different with all these different movies coming out now like for instance uh also this this year, Matt Reeves with Dawn of the Planet of the Apes yeah. wasn't his first movie, but he made a true sequel to that movie yeah, that yeah, was also right. its own thing in a very alien, alien I sort think, of way. They're companion I pieces. think it's really, really noticeable when you see a sequel that you know is a catch right. right. When they're oh, redoing yeah. the same exact yeah. plot. Yeah. Like, Die Hard 2, as much as I love it. Yeah. Die Hard 2 yeah, is Die it's, Hard. It's, it's straight up beat for beat Die Hard. It's yeah, yeah. Die Hard in an airport. It's literally the beat. It is Die Hard in an airport. That's all it is. And I can have fun with that, but I think that there is a special... A certain breed of filmmaker who can get, who don't see the, who don't see an existing property as as a right. as a block to get a story they want to tell, right. so much as an advantage. There's this, this existing world that they can draw and grow out of, and that's what Cameron did well, first, I would argue. He's, and then you have all these newer filmmakers who are able bro- to do that. He's broadening broadening the scope, not just of the setting, being that we're back on LV four two six. We're dealing with a much larger bad guy, a, a, a mass, yeah. and we're also widening the scope of 
where they are, how many uh, um, soldiers we have. Mm -hmm. We're building the cast. We're just building this world. Well, expanding the world. It. Yeah, it's expanding right. the world. Exactly. Alien, remember, Alien was a springboard for him, not not a not you know something that prevented him. Because yeah. Alien, think, how was, do I make how do I get around? Because obviously, Alien was such an isolated horror movie. Right. Like I said, so with yeah. this, you know, since we're adding this this idea of terror, I mean, so many of them. No spoilers. Who gives a fuck about spoilers? Yeah. Right. A lot of them get picked off early. Yeah. But the point is to establish how wide this world is. It's so wide. Well, it's so wide that the Marines don't even think anything of the bad guy. They think aliens, xenomorphs, bug hunts. Initially, we do that yeah. on weekends. Okay. So, yeah. so here's the yeah, thing about the that. Thing. So there's been a there's been a long running debate about what the name of these aliens are. And if you if you if you pay attention, they are not. Their name is not Xenomorph with a large X. They okay, are, right, right. They're, they're, they're referred to as Xenomorph with a small X. Because now, now this is what I love about Cameron. He, he does world build, building, and, and you can see the elements of that extensive world building naturally expressed in these movies without going into a whole bunch of crazy exposition. Mm -hmm. Because exposition kills momentum, it's right? Yeah. So what he did was, when, they have, when, when all those colonial marines wake up and they're having their debriefing, First of all, they're called Colonial Marines. So we have colonies throughout the galaxy, right? right? right. And they go take care of situations, yeah. all right? So apparently, they've encountered aliens before. Mm -hmm. Maybe not this type of alien. We know it's not this type of alien, no. or else they right. would have called Ripley yeah. to come <laughs> as, yeah, as, they as, know. as an advisor. Consultant, yeah. Right? She would have been a consultant, yeah. right? And also, you have Hudson sitting there saying, Xenomorph? He's like, what the it's a xenomorph, yo. What are yeah. you all talking about? Xenomorph, yeah, yeah. xenomorph, sir. Right. Mm -hmm. So they don't know what a xenomorph is. The lieutenant's using, you know, hijack language to explain alien. Right. right? The aliens don't really have a name. Right. So um, this elements all in that in that in that short little briefing. Yeah. That lets you know that 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 wasn't in the first movie. Yeah. That already establishes this huge world, like. Wayland Yutani is like absolutely, absolutely. But see, the, the, what I like where you're going with it also is that we're establishing establishing what type of sequel this is in the fact that when you were talking about that baggage, that 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 uh, slow burn at the beginning, you okay? I hate to say this because I am such a completist, but it's a movie you can see without seeing Alien. It yes, is a movie. They are, different, she can't, they are different films entirely. Yeah. I mean, but you you don't really you know that it's, you know where Ripley is. Right. You know yeah. that the crew got killed. Right. You know that they came. Uh, she she told. They even run down what the the alien she's describing is. Mm -hmm. Acid for blood. They're going down. Right. Yeah, without having to give like a full and like thirty second recap exactly. of like, different right. footage exactly. from the previous film. That first that, that first like. I guess it's, I guess you could say the first quarter of the movie. It, it, I, 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 timed, I timed it in the special edition. Uh, By the time she gets to the ship, it's a half an hour. Okay, all right. So, the, yeah. so that first quarter of the movie, yeah. that's that's the Star Wars crawl. Yeah, that's the, the, yeah. the, the yeah. rebels are on the run. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Without the words, the Senate has yeah. been disbanded. The caption, yeah. That, uh, Cameron, in a very daft way, takes care of that opening right. crawl right. with that that quarter of, of Ripley. Waking up, yeah, fifty-seven years later. I, I, it's yeah. really brilliant. It, it is really it is. Is. It like is. it's one of those subtle things that people like you won't appreciate. The better he does it, the less you'll appreciate it because you won't notice. Right, right. and you, you, know? you definitely won't appreciate it yeah. unless we're all here to let the audience know. Right. I said the main, I said the main difference <laughs> between both films <laughs> is that necessary. we've all gone through and said Alien is a horror film with its horror motifs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. 
but Aliens, that's more of a character-driven sci-fi action film, really. Right. Yeah. And seven years after the after the original, but still, that's what gives it a lot more a lot, a lot more leeway to stand on its own as a, as a separate yeah. film. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean you can look at the you know, I guess the quarter or the first thirty minutes of Aliens, and it teaches you everything about how to exposition don't. Yeah. Without yes, like everything, without without, yeah. without having without <clears throat> making it feel like an experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. and it's all about just kind of how it's presented. He does a great way of presenting it. Like you know, it's like it's you're, I mean, all it is is just information. Yeah, all like, you need to know that's basically. All it is. Yeah. Like I mean, they even show you like all the victims. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you instantly, you also instantly. He, he instantly identifies who the bad guy is, mm-hmm. right? He instantly endears you to Who's the who, company man, exactly. Who, yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. instantly endears you to who, mm-hmm. if you if you didn't watch Alien mm-hmm. and didn't know Ripley is the, he, is the right. hero here mm-hmm. and that you should love her, right. here's the reason why you should love right. her. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they do that cue a couple times uh, when you're also finding out about Bishop. Right. You don't know what type of android he right. is. Right. And yeah. you're all of a sudden wondering why is Ripley so standoffish yeah. with him? Right. Well, there's, you explain know, why right it's there. Explaining. It's yeah. explaining. Right. Yeah, and it, they, do, they do a brilliant job of it. And I think that's what Cameron's strength is taking, taking something that already exists, yeah. tying it to its originator, but also making it sit on its own. Yeah. And I, one little thing that I found interesting, and I'm glad it didn't end up this way, but I was. I found this interesting just about James Cameron and his ability to make a sequel was the fact that Avatar was originally a sequel of sorts to Aliens right, that ignored too. the events of Alien 3 and the villain in it was Hicks the, char- the villain character in Avatar Michael Bean was Michael Bean interesting okay. oh. so, I mean, I and the RDA company in Avatar uh-huh. was was Wayland Wayland Utani. Utani. Uh-huh. interesting I can see where Michael Bean's off. Character, the villains. He was really going to be a little more endearing, but the, his his distaste and hatred for alien species, non-human uh-huh. species, was going to be born yeah. of his hatred from xenomorphs and aliens. Yeah, Which that was it? originally going to be the tie-in sort of thing. It was uh-huh. a jumping off point. But again, he he has existing its own thing. I'm glad it didn't end up that way because I like after it's not a movie. But I just find it interesting. He has this such he has this love for in, integrated storytelling that still sits on its its lonesome. Mm-hmm. That I found interesting. He was still looking for ways to how to expand. Expand the universe, you know. One of the, that was always his intent. The, the interesting thing about Avatar, um, the thing, the reason why I love Avatar so much is because I hadn't seen that type of visual identification and and uh, atmosphere for oh, a long time for yeah. for, for yeah. space soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and he does it so oh, well. Yeah. I had a hard time hating those space soldiers no, no, right. because they're yeah. so bad. Right. One of the impacts I think that aliens did have really like was. The idea of a archetypal heroine now on screen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Sigourney Weaver, her Ellen got more character, yeah. and was basically just like shitting on her male counterparts, basically by yeah. showing like I'm a woman and I can do this. Because you see yeah. in the film, like everybody was telling her, "Shut up, Ripley, stay out of this." No, you right. didn't see that at all. Thank you, we're done. Right. She's not taking right. shit from nobody, right. and that's another strength of Cameron's creating strong, right. if not traumatized, female well, characters. Well, never denying her femininity because sure. they still yeah. make her a mother in the movie. Sure. It's never yeah. like she right. has a surrogate mother, mother. Yeah. She's strong. Well, she is a strong woman. The thing I was noticing last night, rewatching this with Monique, is that it's so obvious that moment when she also has to re-engage her leadership. In that first movie, she was really, you know, she, was she tried to. She tried so often to be a leader. Yeah. And towards the end, when it was just her, Yathit Koto, and Cartwright, mm, Veronica yes. Cartwright, uh-huh. that you have a, a, a leader there, but not very much. 
In this movie, she is going into this situation, into this mission with the idea of we're going to wipe them out. But she's a consultant. She's but back here. Nobody but wants when, to listen to her. Yeah. When she takes, when she fucking realizes people are getting killed in there, even she, Gorman doesn't know what the fuck, fuck to do. She grabs the mic. Give me that shit. What the fuck to do? Gorman, they're dying in there. Gorman's gonna turn that wolf into how many, how many Lay down drops has he gone Lay down in? Some and there were, <laughs> two of them were. He said, I don't think any of them were. Were any of them live fire? I think all they were all simu- simulated. Yeah, I think he said like 10 and then now nine, nine simulated. Nine. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Since we're already on. there, let's talk about probably one of the biggest shining parts of this movie. How great is this fucking cast? Yes. How great is this I mean, Cameron, he made use of people he had previously in Terminator, like Lance Henriksen, um, Michael Bean, yep. yeah. Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton. Yeah. And Actually, can I, I was, was going to yeah, sure can we, um, we were talking about military movies, right. uh, sci-fi military movies, can we throw Edge of Tomorrow in there? Oh, absolutely. Because of Bill Paxton. Thank you. Thank you for thank you reminding me. That's the shorthand. You know mm-hmm. what you're expecting right. because Bill, Bill Paxton is right. in yep. there. I Edge did not see Edge of Tomorrow and I oh. regret my decision. Edge of Tomorrow? Okay, so this is how you do it. You watch Aliens, <laughs> you watch you watch Starship Troopers, yep. uh-huh. and you watch Edge of Tomorrow. That's and then it. you don't have to... And then That's the triple feature. Then you're okay. good. There we go. I think you're good. You've got your space marine. You've got your space marine. Wait, which one should you end on, though? you got to be happy. Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, yeah. Chronological order. It'll leave you, it'll leave you happy. Yeah. Um, I think that... Okay, so obviously we have uh, um, uh, Ripley back. We have Sigourney Weaver. Right. Um, but... This is pretty much all new, you know? Everything around her is built new. Yeah. Uh, from the Marines that we have, Burke, the fucking right. uh, company man. Right. Even Newt, I mean, I've seen some horrible child acting. In fact, I consider myself <laughs> a connoisseur of, child, of bad child acting. Mm. She's doing a serviceable job here. She did, she's, she's pretty she's good. Serviceable. She, yeah, she was a kid. Yeah, she was a kid. She was a kid. She was a kid. Oh, wait a minute. She acted like a kid. No, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. 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 That's how a kid acts. Like, Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, a damaged child. I she firm- was cute. She was I, cute. Affirmative. Yeah. You know something? One of the characters, so I, I, let me talk about some of my favorite characters. Obviously. Uh, Nick, this is why I bring up this topic. This is, you. your, this is your is time. Is he about to ape home? Ape home. You know, Hudson. <laughs> we were talking about memes earlier. Hudson, play that shit. Get over here. Get over here. <laughs> Talking about um, memes earlier, Nick loves to put the A-bone, the A-bone yeah, look into my eye. Look into my brown eye. Look into my brown eye. The <laughs> interesting thing about a <laughs> is yeah. that I didn't appreciate, my love of a has changed over the years. a <laughs> reminds me of my father. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. He Go did. On. Yeah. Until I approached 40 and I looked in the mirror and I said, Oh, I'm my father when he reminded me of Apon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Apon. <laughs> Have your kids seen? Uh, my daughter has. How old is your daughter? My daughter is 13. And does she? She thinks I'm Apon. Oh April. my god. So, you know. Oh, wow. so that is the benchmark of fatherhood. It's a, generation. Generation. That is it's a generational thing. It is. The Apon stage. The Apon like has been, has you know? been passed on. Apon torch, like like the Phantom, has been passed on. <laughs> so, when your daughter brings boys home, you're going to start chewing the cigar? Yes. Yes. Now, yes. You yes. Chewing you cigar got, you got the bad boys too routine when she, bring, when she brings a boy home. I've got certain routines. I got a look I gotta say, are you? Are so Apon was Apon's favorite of, of my um, Hudson, obviously. I want to bring Hudson up because for a lot of people, he's the big coward of the group. Nope. 
He's a big Hudson, cycle, a bigger cycle the group. Hudson is not a coward. Hudson is a pragmatist. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. he is battle hardened, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to waste his he doesn't want to waste his talents on some stupid stuff for for somebody. He knows that what what they're there for is for Burke. Yeah, and he's like, I'm not wasting myself for this. Right. He's like, let's get right. out of here. I've got situational awareness. This is screwed. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's get uh-huh. out of here. Yeah, yeah. Game over. Yeah, yeah. Like when they yeah. call Pharaoh for evac, uh-huh. and, and he's watching that drop ship crumble <laughs> and fall apart, and he picks up that burning piece. He says, "This is just freaking great. This is just great." Right? He's he's he is yeah. the id. Of the audience, he's the. I was gonna say he's the chorus for the audience. He yep. is speaking what the audience is saying. Why would you go down that dark hall alone? Right. You know, he's uh-huh. saying that. Right. Yeah. Or, 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 or better yet, I'm I'm designed to go down that dark hall mm-hmm. because I've got this pulse rifle. Yeah. But my pulse rifle is out of bullets. Right. Right. So uh, mission right. is over. Right. right. My effectiveness as a as a colonial marine is null and void at this point. Exactly. So let's get out of here. <laughs> Why don't you put her in charge then? So <laughs> um, somebody who doesn't get a lot of love that I do who I love and it's because I have a fetish for women who drive trucks. There you go. Pharaoh. Yeah. No, no, no. Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Pharaoh is a badass, but we don't get a chance to see her. Yeah. When she's sitting there and she's got those mirror sunglasses yeah. on and she says, in the pipe, five by five. Yeah. I'm like, yes, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, baby. I want to be in that pipe five by five. Pharaoh. Like she's so she's so cool, and you know she's such a she's such a snarky. Like she yeah. doesn't have very many lines, mm-hmm. but when she looks like she's like Spunkmeyer, and let me tell you how badass she is. Yeah, <laughs> she's about to cap that alien. Uh-huh. If it had been anything other than the alien, if it had been yeah, a person, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they'd be dead. Yeah, yeah. She would have just flew off and whatever. Cause she's like Spunkmeyer, and she looks, she's like, oh, she reaches for a gun. Uh-huh. I love her. She goes out like yeah. a champ. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that was something else I noticed this, this go around. I forgot there was another woman in that movie. Yeah, yeah. besides Vasquez. Well, there's yeah. an, there's even another one, isn't there? There's another white yes. girl that's you know um, part of the. Um, well, let me see. It's actually one she, there. She, she's in she's in the group that goes under in in the in the. She gets she is grabbed and lifted up into the ceiling. Right. And she didn't die. She was um she was she was she cocooned. She's hurt. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude, Jessica, hey, Tone and Dietrich are still alive, man. I gotta yeah. say, um, for for I love all of those. Right. Those are my those are top top favorites. Great. I love Drake. Drake. And my, man, and my, and my man, my woman, Vasquez. Vasquez. <laughs> Drake and Vasquez. I don't love Drake. Were, no, I love Vasquez. I don't. You don't like that relationship? No, they were just so. It was just, just, just kind of it was just too bad. The entire time, kissing her ass. The entire time, kissing her ass. He's like, "You're too bad." She's like, "Yeah." Like straight up, like she, he is. She gives that like a chick. He gives her. I'm telling you right now. They were both action jumpers. They were both action jumpers. He's like, "You're too bad." They're the book stompers. Yeah. She smacks him. Like she's. He is her. Like I don't dislike him, but real luck, she is the balls. There. I'm gonna tell you right now. She is the ball. But that is a that is a real battle-hardened relationship. No, I, I, agree, I agree, I agree, but Vasquez has the large edge over, over. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Have you ever been confused for, was it, you can't, have you ever been confused for a man? man. What, like, no, you, yeah. you? She yeah. came out like that. I was just gonna say, 
if Vasquez was a real person, I'd be kissing her ass too. Absolutely. No, 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 I don't blame <laughs> him. I don't blame him, but let's be real. Let's I, I, I would be winning the highest What should they do next to Vasquez? What should they do shank you? Yes. Vasquez is a real person. That was a racial joke. Vasquez is a real person. She is Michelle Rodriguez. Okay. Just yeah. She is. No, she, she is. is Michelle Rodriguez an alien no, in, in Avatar and everything. There's a like, reason that Michelle Rodriguez is an Avatar. Yeah, there's yeah, a reason yeah. that Michelle Rodriguez yeah. exists it's, as she yeah. does in every movie she's in. Because yeah. yeah. she saw like, she saw aliens as a little girl mm-hmm. and was like, Oh, there I am. That's yeah. my that's my mission yeah. in life. There we go. Not knowing he's played by a Jewish chick. <laughs> Drake, Drake and Vasquez oh, are, are clearly bunny. They're clearly, they're clearly lovers. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Clearly. Something happened. They got like some kind of camaraderie, and plus, like, what's it called? No, 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 in the scene, it's 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 in the scene, what's it called? When they're asked to unload their clips, right? And you see just Vasquez and Drake turn on, like, yo, here, take this, yeah. take this. Yeah. They're like, already ready to go. They're already ready. They're action junkies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And Vasquez, you see how she just didn't give a fuck when she self destructed with the other dude at the end? He is her bitch. I mean, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What do we feel? About Paul Reiser, I think it was like a because about his character. He's a company man, but I saw Cameron adding the like evil money guy in there. Really, because of this movie, I have never liked him since. Yeah, (laughs) you didn't watch Mad About You. Fuck that. Every time it came out, I was like, Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? We waste them. Every time I see them, I'm like, nothing yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like personal. Nothing personal. So you don't like, so you don't like Beverly Hills Cop? Well, you know what? That's right, he's a Beverly Hills Cop. You know what's funny? Like, you know, in, in, in the presence of others who don't grow up on these things, right. mm-hmm. you know, of course, oh, he's from Mad About You. Right. I'm like, right. Oh, so, yeah. shit, yeah, he is from Mad About You. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think, I think of aliens. Like, yeah, yeah. You think of aliens, you don't think, or Beverly Hills Cop. I do not think of Mad About You. But, People in my life are like, oh, the guy that was a man. I don't know. It's the sweater. About mad about you. I, I know nothing. About if you see him, if you see yeah, him in the special features on Aliens, he's wearing a pink sweater. Right. <laughs> you know what's up. You know that he's going to be mad about you. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. So ten years later, the, the interesting thing about this is that he wasn't because Beverly Hills Cop came out before Aliens, didn't it? Two years before Aliens. Yeah. Okay. So I'd seen Beverly Hills Cop, but. He didn't stand out in that. Oh movie. yeah, because he's in the beginning. You know, yeah. he's, he's not in Beverly Hills. I mean, he's 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 Axel Foley's buddy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's a weird. Wait, we're two. No, in the first. No, he's, he's, in in he's in the first. He's in, he's in both. He's at the beginning in Detroit before. I am Axel not listening to Jeffrey. I have never seen right? any of the Beverly Hills Cops. Oh, first two. Another thing for me to get on. It's gonna be a list of things you gotta watch. Your black jeans are screaming out in 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 abject horror at this moment. I'm sorry. Millions of black jeans died. Tell me you've seen Friday. I've seen I've seen a good many. Black movies. There's not very many. That's good. No, I, well, I know, but like, okay, we discussed Attack the Block. That's good. That counts. That's that counts. That's a, that is a great film. I, I want. I, I have a black my. Movie. It's full of Jaffa cakes. That is a black. Movie. <laughs> that is a black movie. Attack We're not gonna black. do this again. Okay. okay. Here. Okay. Here's my thing. We had this whole conversation. What you got? Okay. Okay. Who's your favorite? Hold on, Troy. Who's your favorite character from Aliens? Um, actually, it's Bishop. Because I think he has a great arc. Yes, mm-hmm. he has such a great arc. Because yes. like he's like of, of winning trust too. Yeah, because yeah. like I mean, you watched the first film. I, like I, I saw that you uh, favored in a tweet. Like they mentioned, they mentioned earlier in the movie, like oh, uh, Ripley's AI malfunctioned on like the last ship. Yeah. And like I like I mentioned, I was like no, he did not function. He tried to <laughs> shove a magazine <laughs> yeah. down her fucking yeah. throat. Yeah. yeah, like 
And like it's it's interesting because like if you Bilbo come off Baggins, Bilbo Baggins. Is it? Why is there a magazine? But it, um, you should have all the. He's trying to check with an yeah. iPad. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but like, it's like, yeah, Bishop has this great kind of bittersweet story because yeah. he is he is, and this is a testament to the actor. Like he is, he's not a very emotional character. Yeah. But there is something in his face. He, he conveys that is compassion. He conveys a, a solemnness. Yes. Also, Termin- and a creepiness. Terminator. Terminator. Ultimately. Terminator connection. Bishop. Yeah. yeah. Bishop. Yeah. Having fun there with your little pet. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's there's little things that they that Cameron does with Bishop that helps convey that. Like when he's gonna go through that tube. Yeah. Um, and and, and 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 Hicks gives him the gun. And no, yeah, Vasquez. Vasquez gives Vas- him the Vasquez gives and him he looks at it. And they're still talking, and he's just like, when they when they when they say, yeah, yeah, yeah make, make Bishop go. Make Bishop go. He's like, trust me, I I don't realize the thought of not existing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I gotta say, Bishop probably has of the whole cast the best establishing shot, the best introduction. Oh, the hand, oh, yeah, yeah. And, hand. Right. and you yeah. don't realize, okay, well, that's going really fucking fast. Maybe he's just like a super soldier. Right. But it's not until he goes over there and he's like, he's he did cut himself. Yeah, and you like, see that white bus. blood coming yeah. down. Yeah. And he doesn't eat. He's giving everybody his food. Exactly. Like, hey. she, well, knows, yeah. she knows exactly no, what's up. But well, yeah, there's something, right there's something uh, at its base about Bishop that is kind of sad. Yeah. Yes. You know, and like... When he dies, you're like, you're like, no. oh, shit. damn, yeah. come on. I mean, more so than the human character. Also, you yeah. didn't expect it. You didn't and expect it. What's right. a beautiful thing about that death is that he didn't die though. No, that's my, that's my. He point. didn't die. When you got look, but that's my guys. Point. When we saw this movie at oh, the, right, yeah, the yeah, age yeah. that we were, no, no, no. I thought he was dead too. Bishop, like, Bishop was just like Bishop is is, is messed up. Yeah, when you see characters messed he's up. Unrepar- he's unrepairable. Even though he's not, he's not no blood anything. When you're when you when you're a kid, yeah. That's all messed up. My son currently right now is in love with Daredevil. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I know how that happened. <laughs> At any rate, he's in love with Daredevil. And somewhere along the line, he's, he saw my Daredevil DVD, right? Uh, he's like, uh, it's Daredevil, Dad. I got to watch this. So I said, okay, let's watch it. So I'm explaining to him cut. about Daredevil. I'm saying he's, he wears glasses because he's blind. For my son, that's, no, he no, no, no. he's that. not blind. No, no, he's not blind. That's a defect right. that he just won't accept. He's like, his, his eyes are just hurt a little bit. <laughs> so when you see Bishop, right. you know, right when you went right when you're right there with Ripley, like, mm-hmm. all right, Bishop, mm-hmm. yeah, Bishop, mm-hmm. and that 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 queen tail comes to his chest. You're just like, yeah. you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you thought that was the end. What's yeah. going like on? Another nightmare sequence. Like, yeah, I mean, right. is that yeah, even right. in the theatrical version? Is that a special? Right. Yeah, that was in the Okay, yeah, I haven't seen the theatrical for a while, but like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that because they play the exact same music and yeah, they play yeah, the same yeah. song. We're like, is this like Deliberate. a crazy yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same angle, same angle shot. It's mm-hmm. like the person, like the camera's like here, and like the thing's coming through yep. uh, that way, yeah. slow mo again. You hear Ripley going, ah, like this is the same moment. Nice, so I was like, is this a dream? It's like it's not a dream. Some like, nice slow mo, really like right. No, it's a beautiful shot. It's and like, but shot. also like, I think uh, at least to me anyway, it's probably the. Most the, the largest act of violence in the film. Yeah, uh-huh. like the only yeah. thing that separates it from the other things is there's no blood. Yeah, very clever. You know? Yeah, very which is clever. like incredibly but intelligent. But it's still gory though. Watching but it's him do it, like he's that, got yeah. giblets. Yeah. Stuff's coming out of his mouth. Right. He, uh, the actor he actually got sick. 
on yeah. stem from that. Oh, yeah, because uh, yeah, they're using cottage cheese and Well, they had a, a short shooting schedule. They couldn't shoot it another day. Right. So he said, oh, fuck it, I'll just take it. Right. But yeah, he got like food poisoning and was poisoning out. Um, yeah. We're going to touch on a few more things, so let's, let's keep moving. I wanted to talk about Cameron's style. Yeah. I think if you know Blue Steel, yeah. if you and not and not the uh, not the Zoolander, but Blue Steel, uh, I think that's kind of what you automatically know. Whether it's Terminator, Terminator Two, uh, this True Lies, anything, he shoots nighttime, very recognizable. Yes, you know. It. I think the only exception is Terminator. And I think that was probably entirely because of budget. Right. Um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick, actually, I remember a conversation we had after Avatar. Um, and we both, even though I had, we did, we had different opinions about Avatar. Um, we both came, we both came away with the same thing, which was like, it's just so good to see things the way that James Cameron sees things. Yes. And it is that blue steel, that like that really that like crisp, that really that, like that, that's like it's like this kind of like almost like everything's kind of like this this There's silver blue. There's a sheen yeah. to it. Hue over. It's, uh, well, I imagine you know what? It's glossy. I think I think that you could make a case that it is in Terminator One because isn't it on the grill of the truck when uh, when Michael Bean comes uh, zooming in? It. So is it the, with there the are blue? little hints of it. He, he yeah. doesn't have the budget to put it throughout the entire. Right. Like the right. entire aesthetic of the film, right. but it's it's a little. There's, there's, there's a lot of he, he like which is a this is a, which is a filming technique. Yeah, he, he wets the roads in, yeah, yeah. in, Ter- in Terminator, and mm-hmm. you got that blue light. Yeah, yeah. On, on the on the wet because they're shooting in L.A. at night. Oh yeah. yeah. That's the other thing. You know, I'm noticing as I'm watching it, I'm just like. It, that's that's what's noticeable about him, like the, the the Sulaco. When we first see, right after she pulls that card out and says, "Are we going to kill them?" Pulls the card out. Our introduction, especially on the special edition, which is longer, you're seeing the same kind of intro shots that you see in Alien, like mm-hmm. as yeah. the pods are opening after their deep so freeze. Here we go again. Like, mm-hmm. right. Right. Exactly. You're seeing everything still and just sheen and blue light. Yeah. Yeah. His, 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 visual, his visual language is, um, you know, so recognizable and it, and it, it carries through yeah. all of his films. Mm-hmm. Except for like 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 we said, it's like you know Terminator, not as much, but right. maybe even not so much in Titanic yeah. either. Not so much in Titanic because I mean uh, the water, especially toward the final act of the when film, the there, is, yeah. Black. Yeah. there is oh, there is yeah. a lot of that toward the final yeah, act of the film. But there's a lot of there's a lot of blue steel, there's yeah. a lot of yeah. Like, hey, I don't even know what to call it, but Blue Steel seems like the most. That, that, that's right, yeah. yeah. when I think of James Cameron, I think of early '90s. I think of I think of a. A steel title for some movie, and yeah, they yeah. have like a slightly blue sheen. Yeah, well, it's, it's the it's the metallic thing. Yeah. You know what automatically feels, um, and I don't mean that to to differentiate femininity, but it's a masculine it is. feeling and look. Which is ironic because his movies are very feminine. Awesome. but it's it's um it's also it's reinforced in in the movie scores of his. All of yes. them have this yes. all, this metallic. Yes. This, in, in aliens, all the yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Like has that chain like yeah, yeah. Terminator two, like that kind of thing. Avatar yeah. every time. If, during... you, if you ever want to feel tough when you're walking by yourself at night in a strange, <laughs> just start reciting the Terminator music. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah no, 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 no. That's, that's great thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always that metallic thing. Even you... in Avatar, during that final sequence where they're flying yeah. into, for the final battle, they like it's it's both the theme of the natives mixed with the theme of the military. Well, I'm, the glad, I'm glad like you that, say that. that. It's very Luke Besson because Luke Besson does that submarine ping. Yeah. In the background of Leon, fucking Nikita. Well, let's 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 give credit. 
We're credited. Lucy? <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, let's get credit. We're credited. It's Eric Serra. Right. Who is uh, Luke Besson's go to guy. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes for James Cameron, it's Brad Fidel. Yeah. Right. Or, for the Terminator. Or the Terminator. Jerry Goldsmith. It's almost, it's almost like totally. their, their, their musical watermark. Yeah. Is yeah. what they yeah. use to characterize. But specifically for those filmmakers. Well, well, well yeah. Eric Serra did GoldenEye, so it's kind of. It's, well, well, Cameron is very. So far as sound design, he is very meticulous yeah. about sound his sound design. Sound design is very insane in this movie. Spectacular. From All James Horner's, from James Horner's music, <laughs> yeah, which, which was done in four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you imagine how fucking prolific it is? It is an action movie trailer cue. Yeah, yeah. that whole uh, that when they're leaving the planet yeah. at the end for the nuke. Yeah. You've heard that in almost every '90s action. <laughs> it's in the tra- the trailer from Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they cut it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, uh, I said Jerry Goldsmith. I meant James Horner. Yeah, 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 yeah. But his sound design. He did Avatar. His, his sound design. The only other the only other person who has sound is, sound design in their movies that is so identifiable, in my opinion, are Lucas Films. Yeah, so when, definitely. When you, when you hear oh, because a, you have when you hear a pulse yeah. rifle and it has that that. That panning echo. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Like, like breaking open the shell on the right. people that are um, cocooned yeah. in there. Yeah, that crisp. Yeah. Or yeah. the fucking acid on uh, on, on, uh, on the armor of Hicks. Uh, yeah. It's just it's incredible. Through, yeah. It's incredible. His sound design is just incredible. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say that. I was about to say you're about to reference Lucas is the other one, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I just cool. watched Star Wars. Sound design is spectacular. All of them. I mean, right. I mean, it's a benchmark. It is. Yeah. If you hear a Tie Fighter right now, you're like, oh, that's a Tie. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a Carillion cruiser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think thematically, Lucas. I mean, not Lucas Cameron. One thing he has in common with several of his movies thematically is like big corporations, big money corporations. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like here in Aliens, you got Paul Reiser who was really trying to get an alien, kill the crew off so he can get some money. Yeah. Terminator and Terminator Two, you got Cyberdyne systems. Yeah, yeah. Well, Terminator Two because Aliens was his first introduction to that. And it was interesting that I think that in a lot of way, Aliens is almost like. You don't know how to. It was his first time he addressed this directly. I feel like it wasn't so much Terminator One, but in this one, it was the first time he addressed it. It was sort of his his disposition toward toward the corporate, toward yeah. the, toward these things. And it was it was almost just like, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? And then it turns out that he's a bad guy. So when you get to like, for instance, in Avatar, mm-hmm. and you have like the Selfridge character is almost exactly like. Uh, the Burke character, if the Burke character wasn't pretending to be something else the entire time, right, right, you know, right. and it's it's very much a carryover from that. And you can see even even if it isn't, I mean, he's sort of hinted that maybe he considers it the same universe, but he he even if it isn't Wayland Utani, even if it does say RDA, it's still exactly what the exact it? same train of thought. I haven't seen Titanic in a while, but there's some of that in Titanic. Oh, there's there's yeah. a lot of that. In Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. also he tends to create like I mentioned this earlier, like female characters, like Absolutely. at all, all fe- movies. Well, all of them. They they're strong. They start off as weak, right? And then like like Ripley, unsure. Ripley, yeah, Ripley and Sarah Connor are the best examples. Mm-hmm. Although they're both fairly they're both fairly traumatized in their own way by their next appearances. Mm-hmm. But the difference is Sarah Connor just let her mania just go to her head. I, right. think, I think there's actually a lesson uh, that we falsely apply uh, that could be well. There's a le- there's a lesson that can be learned from uh, Ripley and Sarah Connor that I think isn't. Properly applied when people talk about gender diversity in like film and stuff like that or television, and it's that like um, we try to always throw away these tropes. Like we always try to like say, "Oh, that's a trope. We don't want it. That's a trope. We don't want." But Ripley and Sarah Connor are tropes, but they have to grow into being something more than those tropes. Yeah, Yeah. and I think that that's something that James Cameron's very good at is that like like you said, Ripley very much is a motherly figure. And some people look at it as like, you know, oh, well, that's a trope. Right. You know, like, but, you know, I'm trying to. Women can be mamas. Well, yeah. yeah. It's not a trope and if it's like the, a. The thing is, is that you aren't. 
you aren't applying that they have to have masculine attitudes mm. and actions. Fucking Ripley is acting like a mama bear yeah. protecting her fucking cup. Right. And yeah. before, even before that, Ripley is acting like a person who don't like these damn xenomorphs. Yeah, and like yeah. yo, we going to kill them, right? Yeah, you know yeah. she's not going there. Be like, hey, I'm going there to find a kid. She's like, right. yo, we going to kill them, right? Or, right. Yeah. She doesn't even have that little bit of fraction in her skull thinking, uh, yeah, maybe they're right. Maybe that colony is all right. Maybe yeah, that yeah. maybe that world is all right. Uh-huh. Now, she, she knows she, the derelict ship. She knows that shit. Right? She's strong as her own person, and she and it never is ever at the sacrifice of her of her identity as a woman like that's no, never, that's no. never, it's never it's never to the detriment of that you can't be so here's my here's my problem with this uh-huh. and, and it's funny it, this, this is a good movie this and, and stuff like, like Terminator with Sarah Connor these are good movies especially especially Aliens this is a good movie there's nothing you could you could take away the fact that she has a vagina and it has nothing to do with her character you don't sexualize either one of their images. It's, she's not sexualized at all. No. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So, so, so when we, I think, I think when we, when we take these, when we take these, there's a well, there's a, well, there's, a there's a panty shot in the movie, but I'm not, but I'm not, but there's also underwear shots. Yeah, yeah. Down, get this down shot going up. What does right that mean? Crunch. Because that's a, because <laughs> that's a good I mean, that's a hero shot, no matter who you're taking. How many are your hero shots usually naked? How naked trying to get into space? Hold on, we are Arnold Schwarzenegger? That's true. I would, I would say we sexualized an alien. Not so much an alien. How? Hold on a second. Alien. Sexualized an alien. Michael Bean and her relationship. When he's showing her the gun, there's some subtext there. There's yeah. some subtext there. That's because yeah, men yeah, and women are attracted to each other. Right. It was that's no sexual. sexual I mean, that's no. Well, the gun. That's a phallic. That's a phallic. Yeah. He's yeah. just saying to the audience, "Oh yeah, let me check this out." She's like, like, you know, the like, she's the, like "Show me everything." Okay, the yeah. antenna's there. The antenna's there. Guys, that's what I think. this is what I mean. I'm already we, sorry. This is what I mean. We're taking two. Whenever you see a man and a woman. If they are consenting in that storyline, then there's no over-sexualization. That's what freaking happens That's in nature. Sure. I'm a consenting man. Are you a consenting woman? <laughs> yes. I find you attractive. <laughs> Let me show you how to use this pulse rifle. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time. It's not a so, so you know, I mean, again, we, I'm tweeting that right. There, there are shots that are effective shots that are effective hero shots. Mm-hmm. It's it, okay. So you're looking up, and a woman's crotch is devoid of a penis. That's biology, people. <laughs> They've been taking shots like that of Arnold Schwarzenegger forever. Well, I, right. I, brought that up, I brought that up in support of your statement, actually. Okay. Because that was my whole point, is that, like, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And, like, but I, I think it does... Okay, go ahead. Well, I was, well the other thing I was going to say is, like, well, in regards to tropes, because I think the knee-jerk right. reaction is to be, like, oh, that is a trope, therefore it is a stereotype, therefore I right. don't want it in this movie. But the problem... But the problem is, like, that... Uh, like like I was pointing out earlier, Ripley is a motherly character, and that is a consistent trope. And Sarah Connor is a tough girl. Yeah, and that is consistent trope. But it's about how she's also a motherly character. She's also a motherly Which character. Which we see later but on. Yeah. Uh, but first, first she's a motherly character. There's struggle. Matter of fact, she has the whole Jesus 
Jesus Mary thing going. Yeah, right? and know? there's a struggle with humanity that uh, Sarah Connor definitely goes through. Like when she tried to and kill that, Miles Dyson, yeah, right? Yeah. She couldn't bring herself to do it, and I think right. the whole scene was designed to say, Sarah Connor, you're not the, a Terminator. The, the problem is tropes, tropes are in service. But the, my point is, tropes are in service of telling a story. But they exist yeah, for a reason because, to some extent, they're true. They're necessary okay. because you can't experience these stories. Internally inside your head, right. you're no. a spectator. Right. Yeah. Certain internal mechanisms to emotion must be expressed externally for us to understand what the hell is going yeah, on right. between and these sometimes characters. Sometimes blatantly. Yeah, I mean, so, so a lot of times blatantly. So, so uh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, um, I mean I these, these things have to. I mean, these things have to be done. I, I don't. I, you know, why should somebody? If somebody complain, oh man, of course they they, they make the woman act motherly. No, it wasn't so much that she would act motherly; it's that she's not a dick for leaving a little girl by herself to die in, in, a, in a colony full but of also, aliens. Also, if, if, if you took if you took Ripley out, if Ripley had died, mm -hmm. and Hicks was in her place, yeah. he would go save the little girl. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is uh, beyond that trope. I don't know how obvious that or not obvious but how many people you know that have complained about it from that side personally i find more people pleading with the positive part of this that this could easily be an all-male cast mm -hmm. yet you have right. ripley who is not having to be written like a man in right. order to be a strong character well with the exception well i mean i mean there is context here sort of context which is that ripley was never Intended to be well, the Ripley was written as a guy. Was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, originally or originally, yeah. her gender was never never actually like you know specified. Specified. Right. right. Um, that being said, of course, James Cameron walks into this with the understanding that Ripley is going to be played by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In uh, fact, he built it around it. He didn't want to do it if it was a male lead. Right. If Fox said, "Hey," because at that point. Uh, from what I understand from the special features, Wait, and but Ripley had already been established as a character from the first one. That's they, what I'm saying. They were going to go in another direction. Yeah. They were going to say because, uh, Sigourney Weaver wanted more money, and they right, 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 yeah. right. And I love also that the, the after the fact, um, when you watch the documentary footage for this, she keeps on coming up with the thing. If she knew that this was a gun-heavy movie, she wouldn't have done it because right. she's so anti-gun. Right. right. And she says that she jump. She she has this bad habit of jumping over stage directions. So she was only reading her lines. And then the first day that they give her a pulse rifle, she's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> she was not comfortable with the the. And, and that's probably, if you think about it, that's probably why they went in the direction of Alien Three. No, that's exactly why yeah. they did. That, you, yeah. you go, go to a monastery exactly or go to a prison where yeah. weapons are not there. Right. Weapons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting idea. Which is interesting. But yeah, no, I, under, I understand completely. Let's move on to another big thing that I think that this this movie is a is a benchmark in that we certainly do not see in the same way anymore. And that's visual effects. Mm. The visual effects in here, they're using miniatures. A lot of Mr. In, a lot Mr. Of, Jackson still Peter Jackson does use them, but we not in this way. It was very problem solving a lot of type in, film. A lot of in frame, a lot of in frame um, yep. uh, special practical yep. special effects. And I, I for speed, me, I think that camera speed too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, that's that's Cameron's strong point, and that he got that strong point from being a film carny. And I, I, I call people. I call Corman. <laughs> Corman is a film carny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. A, he's like he's yeah. like he's, he's like he's like vaudevillian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, what are we gonna use for? You know, he's this, a gorilla filmmaker. Yeah, let's yeah. Let's, let's take this ball of spaghetti and make it a brain. Yeah, let's yeah. do that, right? And Cameron loves technology, mm -hmm. 
And he's like a he 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 kind of makes me think of like if Lucas had uh, a a nephew, right? Who was just you know just a few years younger than him, and his nephew was like. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, Uncle, Uncle, Luke, Uncle, Uncle George, this is cool, this is cool, but hey, can we just use such and such and such and such and then do this and do this? And, and you know, you got George sitting there like, yeah, yeah, kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, so, I mean, they, they are, they're kind of like, and as Cameron has progressed through the years, he's, he's at a certain type of parity with Lucas, yeah. but he's more, instead of building up some corporation to, 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 to revolutionize this. Right. He's like a one-man. He's a one-man band. He's just a yeah. one-man band. Like, hey, we can do this. We can do this. I mean, hell. He started Digital Domain, though, right? Uh, yeah, he did. Yeah. I mean, hell, he's sitting on an airplane when they're filming, when, they, when they're trying to figure out what to do with Predator. Mm-hmm. And the guy sitting next to him is like, hey, we got this movie called Predator, James. Can what do you think? Yeah, let me something up. Here you go. And the guy's like, nah, let's do it. You know, I mean, I mean James Cameron is like, his and especially his use of of uh, projected back yeah, screen that, stuff back screen yeah. projection yeah to this day mm-hmm. allows his movies to maintain a certain fidelity yes that I think yes. um is is not can't, it can't be found in a lot of his contemporaries it goes beyond nostalgia too I mean well when you were talking about how he's in the same category as Spielberg and Lucas and I think the term best to describe this is WonderCon. Yeah, like that's what he that like he falls yeah. in that category. Yeah. There are a lot of like great directors, but there's very few that fall in that yeah. category. Yeah. Um, one of the things I'm speaking of visual effects. One of the things I mentioned earlier that I prefer Alien, with the exception of one thing, and it is the finale. Um, I think it's a really great movie, but there are clear limitations to the physical effects. Yeah. On yes. that finale. You're talking about the uh, Alien. Where they're in the hyperspace. Yeah, yeah, when they're in the uh, in the uh, the the cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when you look at that, and then you look at how yeah. you watch Aliens, and you yeah. look how Cameron shoots around those little yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. especially, especially the, the the payoff, which is when you see the mother mm-hmm. alien, man, and that, that scene, and you get that shot that's kind of like I like I like I always forget when they did an upshot, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Queen, yeah. On the mother queen, yeah, yeah. They they did an upshot. I always forget about the shot when I. <laughs> <laughs> The alien. We don't want to see the aliens coochie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you That's see exactly it when she comes off the egg sack. You're yeah. like, coochie shot at the aliens. <laughs> Arcturian poo. <laughs> I like. I, <laughs> I like. I always forget about the. I always forget about this shot until I, and then when, when I when I'm watching the film. But yeah, it's the shot where they realize that they're in the nest, and like they just turn around and I, I like. Every single time, like they look up and then there's this long mm-hmm. pan. Long, mm-hmm. easy time. I mean, like it's ridiculous. And like that's every single great. time I watch it, I'm like, what is, oh shit, that's right. right. <laughs> right. This is when the payoff happens. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. The, great, the great thing about that shot, too, mm-hmm. is um, it's dark, mm-hmm. right? But it's still got fidelity. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You can see what's going oh, on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Also, you got like heat waves mm-hmm. in there, yeah, like yeah. Yes. Distorting, distorting the air, right, yeah. right? You got the sound. Ripley is her hair is getting all mussed up, mm-hmm. and you hear you hear the queen breathing, mm-hmm. and that before you see it, yeah. and that sound of her breathing is like that. Yeah, that's a good. And that's the yeah. cool part about it. Is that finale comes out at you out of nowhere, and you don't yeah. entirely know what you're processing until it happens. You're like. Oh snap! And then suddenly, boom! Finale. It's not like right. it's not like they, they give you beats to lead into it. It's like oh, oh she's running or something. Like, <sighs> she's 
She's oh, in the it's like it's like it's it's it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a little a little a di- different different well, situation. The movie is a little like like the like the the T Rex stomping bit in Jurassic it's, Park. It's like yeah. where it's just that that lead. And you're like, oh no. Well, it's really it's, it's really oh, yeah. like yeah. stumbling into the cave, and then you have a little bit of sunshine or something, or maybe a piece of you turn on the fire or whatever to realize you're in a fucking bear cave. Right, and she, yeah. she like runs in and like literally stops, and you get that wide shot of her just standing amongst all the eggs, yeah. and then yeah, she's yeah. Like, like, oh shit. And you already know, you already know from I the first movie. So I was like, the oh, last time the eggs, and then yeah. she turns and. Right. And like when I make the argument for uh, like when I make the argument for uh, in camera physical like or visual effects, it's not it's not to take away from the people that do the digital right. effects. Right. It's no, just that I I feel that it's just impressive. It's impressive because yeah. I, it's impressive for two reasons: craftsmanship. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and, which, a, and, and even then dying. Because I'm talking about, I'm talking about miniatures. I'm talking about matte painting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they, well, they have digital. It's all painting. digital. It's yeah. all digital. But these are like fucking artists that would be on a yeah. piece of glass. The beautiful. What happens is this: but, your your brain has a catalog of how things right. are are fit in the world, right. and how exactly. and, and how light falls on things right. that actually exist. Right. And the the, the the beautiful thing is that when they're physical, they're, yeah. they're always if you if the guy knows how to light yeah. a set. Then those those physical things are always going to be lit properly for your brain to process it like it's a real thing. It's true about blood too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Real yes. blood yes. spurt. The digital blood oh, yeah. swims. The digital. I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to disagree. Mm-hmm. On a couple different levels. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I come from a different generation. I grew up on I grew up on equal equal measures, original and well, prequel stars. Lord of the Rings. Lord about, of the Rings. Yeah. Like we discussed all these different yeah. things. Mm-hmm. I think that when you enter that realm of, of digital like backgrounds and so on and so forth. You enter a realm of the possible, it's a riskier realm. It, for me, it either works, like it, it's that concrete thing with the practical thing. It's concrete, it will work. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you look at aliens, it's, it works. Because right. that shot, it just, it, it's a beautifully composed shot and has all these physical, physical elements. They can just look in and it works perfectly. I think, I think, it's just my opinion, that digital technology can outdo it does it always outdo it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. However, put it in the hands of the right person, yeah. it can be outdone. No, but it is, it is a, a tightrope mm-hmm. situation. It's, no, a visual, it's, it's a visual acuity, Andrew, because at certain points, mm-hmm. it had to get to 2014. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In 2006, in 1999, yeah. in 1997, when you see... Yeah, 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 what happens is this: the only thing that 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 current digital, the, the the type of current digital magic that we can see today, the only thing that that could have added to that scene would have been um, size. Well, I think that's it. It could have added size, and and which and, honestly which I don't think you, that scene you doesn't need, really help. You didn't no, need it would, size. it would. But I think I think it's an entire film built around that specific aesthetic. I would never wish to put that in that film because it's 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 like. It's like putting putting like a digital component in like it's like putting like like a I don't know I don't 
trying to make like like a painting example, but it's taking it's 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 designed to be this one kind of art, and I will take it as that kind right. of art. Um, and I'm not arguing that this this movie needs to be anything different. Right. I'm just saying since we brought it into the broad scheme of things mm -hmm. by saying like by putting the evidence for this movie forth as as a definitive um, because 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 for, for, for practical if we're bringing in the broad spectrum, I do have a less. My my thoughts on that are are a little are a little different. And and one my one other thing I think that's one thing that it does for that besides size. And this is this is where I believe that there is a certain level of advantage with digital technology as far as that goes. There is depending on how it's done. I think that it there there can be a certain vibrancy and a certain life to digital backgrounding that can be done with not necessarily can be replicated with practical ones. I think practical ones can be perfectly composed, but I think every once in a while, and some, it depends on the director, it yes. depends on the production designer, but they can look a little more dead than a really well done this is, okay. I was gonna say, the subjective thing here, it's obviously subjective, like all of our fucking uh, Again, opinions. we're talking about generational gap. Yeah, yeah, we so. are, we are. But uh, you know, what I'm thinking about here is uh, the broader issue, the same thing with CGI and real physical effects is analog digital. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that we're dealing with right now with them holding on to film as a tangible art form. Right. You're talking about something that's digital, that something is ones and zeros, and right. something that's chemical, something right. that's tangible. And like Troy said 20 minutes ago, the craft, mm -hmm. the craft of doing something with this chemical, someone knows how to fucking manipulate this chemical tangible piece of plastic right, right. celluloid in light in shadow all of these things knows how to do that knows how to push and pull when it gets to the chemical processing to get this to look like our representation of reality our perceived right reality. and i would never want to take that art away so he's I, like, I, away so from any filmmaker who wants to make right. film that who way does that make sense like i would never say like this filmmaker must do this over this because but i'm just saying i think that there are certain filmmakers who are Born to do one thing and more. And well, so, so here's here's my thing. I think by by virtue of the fact that we're discussing Cameron, he's a perfect example of this. Yeah. We need people like Cameron because his ability to do practice to, to to I mean they did this movie on eighteen million. Uh, yeah. They yeah. did this movie yeah, yeah. on eighteen million. Only uh, only a film carney like Cameron <laughs> yeah. could do that. Oh, absolutely. On eighteen million and have it stand up to today's standards. Oh, yeah, no. You go that. I'm not trying to. But, but hold anyway. on though, hold on. The beautiful Clarify. thing about Cameron is that he's not, he's not, he's not, he, he doesn't hold physical, practical effects as some sort of dogma. Yeah. We're talking about the guy who did Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the beautiful thing about that is that he realizes, hey man, I couldn't have done Avatar until technology got to a place digitally where I can, I can I can, I can reproduce what I see in my right. eye, in my imagination, like Troy said, we get a chance to see what what James Cameron sees. If he right. didn't go to the school that he did, if he didn't he deal to. with the toolkit that he did, right. he wouldn't be able to do that. Right. right. And that's what I'm saying. When you have when you have these you have some newer directors mm -hmm. who they've only ever worked in digital. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they didn't they didn't start with the practical stuff or understanding how to solve visual problems with right. practical right. effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they get to when they get to when they get to digital, they got all these tools, all yeah. these toys. They just right. exactly, and they don't. And, and, that's, and that's my that was. Wait, well, I, I'm not advocating using the tool without the discipline. Does that make sense? Like, you have, like no, no, I understand. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm absolutely not I'm, supporting no, that, and I see a lot of that. I see a lot of. Mm -hmm. 
Goodness, what would Wimbledon be? Sorry, Do you just think that digital just form. makes it too easy for people That's now? True. Here's my thing. Here's the thing. For people who are brought up on learning art as a craft, yes. an art form as a craft. It makes a huge difference. There is a chasm of how easy it is for people who aren't disciplined absolutely. to do something absolutely. and say, hey, look at what I just did. Well, again, that's not what I'm at. That's, I, I absolutely don't that's want to That's not what you're at. Yeah, no, right. I'm not saying that you're it advocating. It is a byproduct. But it's a byproduct. It is a problem when there's a chasm of people that do, that do work in the digital realm and work with digital tools and they are the discipline they yeah. do have the discipline and the knowledge and the reverence right. for everything that came before king kong right. and yeah. i think it takes i think it takes that knowledge to make truly good digital work i, I yeah. think i think since it is a leap that that said that there's there's the problem it's the gap the gap is there the gap it, it exists you you what people, what a lot of these filmmakers don't seem to realize is that they support their art now by having that frame of reference yes. to those previous works. But it's those, you, it's a, it's a leap that they have to intentionally make. Right. But the, those who don't make worse now art, and those who do make that. Perfect, perfect example. You've got somebody like Michael Bay. All right. Yeah. right. Michael Bay says, "I want to see this Transformer fight." Mm -hmm. He goes to ILM. Yep. ILM does their magic. They right. make these things, but but they do it according to the way the director wants it to be seen in his vision on film, and it just looks like a it just looks barfed it's, on film. It's just it's too of trash. it's so yeah. much. It's, yeah. it's, I gotta no, say, it's, it's no, exhausting. It's exhausting. I was talking no, with Troy how exhaustive it is, how much stimulus you're doing, right. and it might have a pro it might be a little bit of a problem with his actual style yeah. where he doesn't. He's so ADD that it's impossible to just get a tangible. He has no view. focus for what his action is. Absolutely not. But then you take somebody like, like you take somebody like um, um, Josh Whedon, right? So Josh Whedon um, goes to ILM and he says, ILM, I need, I need a finale, a, ba a big battle finale for Avengers, and he has this battle, this battle, and you can enjoy the action that's going on. Because you've got panning, it's focused. you've got you've you've got you know what the focus of that fight is. At he knows the film language. All right, yeah. and it's not it's not overwhelming. Yeah. It, the spectacle is it's just as big, yeah. but it's See, not overloaded. That's not, that's I, that's I, 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 I have people. I have a problem with the finale of Avengers, and I think I've discussed this with everybody here. At, I'm sorry, but I will agree. I will agree that you can tell what's happening. Yeah, and it's not an overloading sort of thing. I think another, and I've, I already brought up this example, but I think I think a, an example of a newer filmmaker who would be who is who is sort of part of the current digital zone, but who does have an understanding and respect for the 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 principles mm -hmm. of of traditional effects would also be. Matt Reeves' Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. You yeah, look yeah, at that absolutely. movie, that is a perfect example that's, that's of it. that, but also a filmmaker who, even though he wasn't necessarily around and active to, yeah. build, to, to build his own movie with those yeah. same things that they were doing back then, the he has a respect and understanding. But here's the di distinction, motion capture. And well, that's true. Kid, that's, those are real pets. But even with, even with backgrounds, even with background, that entire yeah. the entire finale sequence where they're up on up on the thing, mm -hmm. up when him fighting Cobalt right. on the thing, that's that was all digital. That was all digital. Right. But yeah. it was still you could see what was happening. There was yeah, still an yeah, understanding yeah. of how to frame this right, thing. Right, it's right. not just a CGI bar. I, I actually I I co-sign. Well, I'll put it like this. My biggest concern when it comes to effects, and this goes back to like aliens, is I look at something like what the uh, what HR uh, Geiger and all the like, you know, the the, uh, the puppeteers the and the creature, yeah, the creature effects. I look at I look at that and I look at I see I see craftsmanship, I see detail, and I see the ability to look in the camera 
and tell if something is or is not working. Yeah. And what I think that digital all too often provides, and I'm not knocking digital because I, I think digital is sure. a great tool. Sure. Yeah. Um, but I think it it creates this kind of attitude that, oh, we'll fix it later. You know. Yes. Right. And yes. so like we're seeing it on the, we're seeing it on the camera. We're seeing it in the camera. We're assuming something's going to be there, and we'll worry about it later. Yeah. And I think ultimately what happens is you lose that attention to detail that you're forced, that you're anchored to, that exactly. you're forced to be a part of. Um, when, when you know it has to, digitally. exactly, when you know uh, you have to make it work in camera or in front of the camera and you have no other tools at your disposal, that is a different type of filmmaking. I wish more people knew that. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't, yeah. but I get the feeling. It's only gotten to the point, we've gotten over this chasm I think, I think, sometimes it's not so true, of, of the uncanny valley. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we've gotten over this thing where fire looks perfect, where it looks yeah. real, water, um, water, water, all these things that they could, lights. I mean, if you look at Alpha. fucking Spawn, Spawn is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Spawn back in 97, yeah. 90, what, fire effects in there? <laughs> Hilarious. Look yeah, like Demolition yeah, yeah, Man yeah. video game. Anyway. <laughs> you, can, you can see you can see where the jumps are made, too. Like, I, I think it was interesting, because, you know, George Lucas has been, like, the, the champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it was, it was interesting watching how and where some of, this, some of that progress is made, because I, I watching all six Star Wars movies, which I did, like, like a week ago or so, uh, there was sort of that crossing the Uncanny Valley thing, and I saw that. I yeah. saw that jump between mm -hmm. Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. And Revenge of the Sith, mm -hmm. yeah. one of which, which I watched in the same day with mm -hmm. like a bunch of other people, one of which has those problems, yeah. has that mm -hmm. yeah. old like it has the, it has the issue of things not looking real enough. And you're just sort of like, yeah. but again, mm -hmm. I grew up on these. Right. This is like something that I understood. So the, like, lang the language is different for you, right? So the, the language is it different. Is. For which is something so, that so we constantly is, come yeah, back yeah. to. That's not I, I just accepted that watch. Right. Right. Like you saying that about yeah. Fresh thing, that's the first time this ever. The, the thing me. that I'm saying about also to go back real quick about the the film, the tangibility of film, the yeah. chemicalness of film, is that our eyes, right, grew up on a different reality. We grew up on the grain. We yeah. we grew up on grain. You grew up on sharpness and smoothness. Right. Yeah. That's that's how, your visual acuity is completely different. It right? is. It is very different. Yeah. That's one thing I had to like learn over time that I wasn't seeing the exact same things yeah. in, in different yeah. things. And like I can see when it's not like I'm tone deaf to to no, no, no. Weak, weak looking no, no. like things that have an age aka attack the clones. No, no. Uh, but you could make but, it. But you. But what I'm saying is I can make an argument that your visual acuity, mm -hmm. where your eyes dart around, the way it's you watch them. Yeah. Like if we were to put that fucking like eye camera in your eye. I'd be looking at different things. You'd be looking at different things than Nick, than me, and, and, and yeah, the rest absolutely, of us. absolutely. And yeah, I yeah. like, you know, we've we mentioned this before, but one of the things I like, uh, well, we've talked about this separate off, off air before. Um, one of the things I love going back and looking at aliens um, and sometimes it's kind of a curse to have something on Blu-ray that's an older film. Right. Um, it does look good. Well, here's the Most thing. Of the here's the thing. There's it's a special edition. There's a special edition of it that brings the entire film up to date and makes it look like it came out yesterday. Is that the special special um, edition? And that's the special edition. Yeah, that's yeah. what I watched. Um, but there's also the older version that kind of. Are you like, talking about the one that came up? The the Blu-ray. The Blu-ray. Blu yeah. yeah. Um, but there's also on that same disc the theatrical cut, 
that I, if I remember correctly, doesn't have well, the, the clean. The, the, they do clean up. They do clean up a couple of things. I was actually going to bring this up when we start about the, the cuts. There are those differences between the original director's cut DVD, mm-hmm. where you're seeing all these like little mistakes in camera, right. and it seems like with the Blu-ray they did some. You know, they got rid of specs. Yeah. They got rid of um, like uh, overhanging did, shots. Did Cameron like have them do that before they make the Blu-ray? He was like, yeah. do yeah, whatever so, you want with the other. It's a shame to me because Aliens was actually one of the first Blu-rays I purchased. Yeah. And like it set this this crazy bar yeah, yeah. because of what they did to clean up that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That like when I get older films and I watch it on Blu-ray, I'm like, why does it not look like this? And the original it's, it's Alien looks really slick. Well it's because wow. they, this one doesn't look dated on Blu-ray. Like I feel I feel almost like Blu-ray the, the, the Blu-ray manufacturers are selling us short by not doing uh, the James King. Well, here's the thing that you're missing. If you've seen this shot before in the original, she goes to pick up the flamethrower and puts down the pulse rifle first. <laughs> so oh. in the Blu-ray, they fix the shots. Oh, okay. But that kind of stuff, right. there's a nostalgia for that, isn't there? Like pop-ups. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you notice, I, want, yeah. I want to see the Stormtrooper bang his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 But that, that's I'll, still I'll, in. <laughs> Watching, rewatching a new home was, was rewatching like, that about three times. <laughs> right. I was actually surprised he didn't take that out. Yeah. <laughs> it's so perfect. I think he made the sound louder. Do we? Do he put in the sound actually, effect? Do we feel, I feel like that's a that's a much bigger issue. We could go on forever yeah, about digital versus yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, One more thing. So I just wanted to state some facts before we get into the last uh, part of it and kind of wrap up. So yeah, like you said, eighteen point five million for a budget. It made 131 plus. Yeah. Worldwide or domestic? Yeah. Uh, worldwide. Domestic, globally. Worldwide. Yeah. But uh, nominated for seven act, uh, seven Oscars, Oscars, including Best Actress. And, really? So going and Best yeah. Score. Yeah. I did not best know. Best Original and Score. And it won for two. It won, obviously, for the ones that it won. Sound effects, editing, and visual right, effects. Right, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is like the Best so, Picture Award for, what's up? <laughs> for these types well, yeah, of Well, yeah, pretty much. The fact, that the, the fact that the Academy even recognized a movie like this at the time, that's a milestone. It's a huge milestone. I mean, you don't, like, okay, if you know, if we all know at this table what Oscar bait is, yeah. this movie is not, not Oscar bait. Absolutely. No, it's not. No, absolutely. Maybe for visual effects. Yeah, but not for that. No. 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 Here's an interesting thing, too, another fact. Uh, the Alien Nest, where you see all the, all the eggs and all that stuff, that's, that, was, that was done in a, a decommissioned power plant in London. Mm-hmm. They left the set exactly as was. They didn't tear it down. And then um, about three, three years later, um, Batman came and, and, they, <laughs> yeah. and they used the same set. Yeah. And they didn't change anything. Yeah. Okay? With the great, uh-uh. with they, the grates. The Axis chemicals. Yeah. Oh. You put the, put the lights up through the grates. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's exactly so right. The Axis chemicals plant mm-hmm. is, this, is, is, is the, is the uh, alien nest, and they didn't change a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know There are bookend movies that n- not necessarily have recognizable or reasonable reasons for having separate cuts but there are two movies in this franchise that have dual cuts and there's a damn good reason for it and we're talking about aliens and for many people when it comes to home video dvd especially when dvd was in the boom every person at least that i know had aliens the special cut special edition cut on their shelf Mm -hmm. now that's the one i still rock today i don't have a great version of it yeah yeah i have to say that growing up 
as a little as a as a wee greggle and up until <laughs> up into my teenage years and 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 in my twenties and everything, swore by it and still I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. But in recent years, mm-hmm. am I am I changing? Am I getting older? Yes. Yeah. Pacing is the apone effect. It is the apone effect. Uh, pacing in the special edition. And I and I and I relate this to James Cameron having so many different cuts of his films. He likes to go back and tinker. He never likes to really let go. His theatrical version is rarely his director's cut. Um, the special edition is is a little fat. It's a little fat. It's got great character stuff. I even love the fucking sentry guns. I mean, that's actually the sentry guns is fantastic. I love the sequence. It adds suspense. You know that there's a fucking evil outside the door. But man, is it fat. 34 minutes to Gosh. even get on to the Sulaco. Mm-hmm. And then I got to say that there is, it, when you get to um, her rescuing Newt and them nuking the planet, I cannot believe I'm saying this. The actual fight with the queen feels like one ending too many. In, for me, for the special edition. I'd say, once they destroyed, then once they nuked the planet, right? Yeah. I, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is this is the end of the film right, right. here. But then you see what happens to Bishop, and it's like, oh, yeah. shit, it's not over yet. Yeah, yeah. I think in, uh, in most cases, I feel like the director's cut, the special edition cut, whatever the non-theatrical version of it is, unless the film got destroyed when it hit theaters, before it hit theaters. Alien 3. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like most of the time... They are interesting academically. Yeah. yeah. They're indulgent. Um, you know, they are indulgent, but they are probably not the best version to show I'll give you, people. I'll give you two examples of why we're even having this discussion. Mm-hmm. A little man named Ridley Scott, yeah. who created the director's cut. Oh, yeah. Because two movies that I can bring up right now, mm-hmm. Blade Runner, obviously, mm-hmm. and Kingdom of Heaven, mm-hmm. both of those movies uh, especially Blade Runner was <laughs> fucked with in such a fashion that you you, you can you can tell night and day between the director's cut the narrative. absolutely mm-hmm. and with Kingdom of Heaven uh, his director's cut fleshes out that story that it's actually cohesive and comprehensible really the director's yeah. cut of Kingdom of Heaven is beautiful yeah. it has a preface where they they, they have a musical lead in. Right? It, it feels ha- like a David Lean movie. Man, it has it has it has a it has a, um, a you know a uh, what do they call it? There's an official name for it when there's a break in the middle. Yeah, yeah intermission. They yeah, have an intermission, yeah. which you a might think, well, you might feel like well, this is indulgent, but right. it's a certain type because of because the tone the tonal change on the second half of the uh-huh. film. Mm-hmm. Dang, I want to see this. Yeah. I ain't never seen, seen Kingdom of Heaven. I ain't never seen I've Kingdom of Heaven in any version. I don't know. So they see. The theatrical cut. Well, see, you appreciate the director's cut only if you've seen the theatrical. Some of his versions don't even need don't even need director's cut. I'm talking about really Scott. That is like yeah. American Gangster. Yeah, yeah. I did not need that extended cut at all. That yeah, yeah. Been, yeah. Well, that's the thing. That just like with the question of sequel comes the question of why are we doing this extra cut? And usually it's a cash grab. I would say with DVDs we have a problem here when they're trying to make money off of you. If you love a movie in the theater. And yeah. you see that there's an unrated cut and a, and the theatrical cut separately on DVD that you're gonna buy both. Well, let's start with this. So let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me say. Let me, I know this is going off on a tangent, but we're talking about these cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mel Gibson, there's two versions of the payback. Oh, payback, yes, yes. And yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the straight up, there's the, 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 the director's cut is not called a director's cut, it's yeah. called the straight up and blue cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The straight up and blue cut changes the narrative completely and oh, is a better story. Brian Helgelin wrote and directed that movie and at some point the studio wasn't sure of him and took the movie away and actually fucking Mel Gibson was the one who finished the edit right. for that movie. Oh, wow. So also you see... And, and, and that, I mean, with protest, yeah. that should be noted. Oh, yeah, he wanted to see the original, the original I, you know, right. uh, vision of that right. movie get taken out, but the the, the director's cut of that film, mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, yeah. You'll never want to see it the, the, the right. other way. Right, right. Okay. And it's not, it's okay. not, yeah, it's right. not perfect. But to see it handled by the person who originally envisioned it, you see their vision. And I, I mean, it's it's immediately noticeable just just with your eyes. Yes. The original has that blue tint right. to it, trying to make it noiry. Right. This one is very warm. It's a yep. warmer movie. Absolutely. Do you guys have? Do you generally okay? Here's the thing, Andrew. This is one of the reasons that I wanted to wait for you to get out of the bathroom to talk about this. Okay, I am here. You you were brought up. You were brought up on Lord of the Rings. That I was. You were brought up on living in in the world. So extended editions, uh, uh, watching trilogies that are these humongous, swooping, epic journeys. I got to imagine that you're see. You're so different than what we would consider them youngins today. Because I think that you don't have ADHD. Ironically, <laughs> I, 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 I take medication for my ADHD. I don't think they that do being said, Okay, okay. That, that being said, that being said, I do take ADD medication. That being said, that being said, I think that my my sensibility in relation to art is a very different one than okay. I think I think most than I think people would assume, I guess. And right. I, I have, I, I think, I know a lot of people who are my age and who function the same way. It's sort of this, it is a trade-off, I will admit, and it depends on the kind of movie. Like, there's certain movies I don't sure. want to see extended cuts of. Sure. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, I, I like, um, Attack the Block is a great example. That movie is is a perfectly taught movie for me. I don't need it to be longer. I don't want it to be longer. Good. It is what it is. Because it, it's not so much a world thing as it is a... Mm-hmm. It is a tone thing, and it is a it's a tightness of story thing. A hor- horror movies that don't need extended cuts up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, movies like that don't need extended cuts up. That makes um, sense. But with movies like Lord of the Rings and Aliens, on a certain level, less so. But like with those movies, it's a trade off. Do you have that same pacing thing? Like there's a, there's always this like this completely like streamlined like like perfectly graceful. Arc mm-hmm. that like be, like that that thing which has which has its merit. I'm I'm not saying that there's anything it's wrong with al- it, but it's always in service. Of, I always think it's always in service of pacing. Right, if right. you're going to yeah. add back character stuff, Kingdom of Heaven, uh, Blade right. Runner, uh, that fleshes out the story. And obviously, we're already jumping off from the uh, studio fucked with it, or the studio yeah, 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 yeah. wanted something that butchered your cut. Right. If you're jumping off from there and you want to add that stuff back that just makes it that much 
better right. without fattening it, right. then more power to you. Right, and I think I think the thing my, the, uh, with Lord of the Rings, I know I'm about to get to Aliens, but with Lord of the Rings, it's one of those things that's already this big, grandiose, epic movie. Yep. So that when I'm adding more to it, it's like almost like binge watching a TV show as it, as it is anyway. Right. Like I will take that more because it just deepens the world. Like that, that's the appeal of it to me. Right. Same appeal as as I have for Star Wars. It's about the world that it takes place in. It's about deepening this universe that I can sit in and live in for with the extended version of Lord of the Rings. 11 and a half hours in one right. shot, which I actually, this past Christmas break, I got a group of people together and we did over two days. We watched all like Lord of the Rings movies. And with those movies, I never, I have never any intent to go back to the actual. Let me, versions. let me ask you something. When you watch these big sprawling trilogies or series, do you watch them by yourself or do you always watch them with people? I watch them with people. So it's, it's also an audience. It's a communal, it's a communal yeah. event. It's almost, it's almost like a holiday. Uh -huh. We get together and we experience the lengthiest version of Lord of the Rings yeah. that we possibly can because it's, it's like, it's like any, it's, it's an event thing. It's not so much, it's not so much a personal thing. It's a communal thing. It's but, not so much, I've always I will point Lord out that Andrew is 20. Okay, so, so <laughs> hold on. But my family feels, my family feels the exact same way. Hold all on. of, all of my family feels the exact same what, way what, no matter what, what, I can, age. I, what I'll do is, I, is, this is one of the things that I actually can co-sign with, with Andrew on. Mm -hmm. And my love of extended cuts or director's cuts um, stem from, from watching Aliens and Terminator 2. But I didn't see those extended cuts until many years after I saw the, oh, the yeah. theatrical. Oh, yeah. But what I did do was after I saw those movies, I went to the library mm -hmm. and got the novelization of those movies. That, yes. And those yes. are extended cuts. Yes. Yeah, they are. Okay, so mm -hmm. for me, I love that stuff. Yeah. I love I loved seeing these movies and, when and you, then going and getting the novelization of them. You get more something detail. that you didn't I see. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More it's, like, it's like, it's like, right. it's like, it's like, I, I, I assembled. It is that edition. Yeah, I assembled no. the, the, uh, the director's cut in my head. Right. So I loved Alien 3. Yeah. The theatrical version, uh -huh. because of the novel. because of the novelization. Oh, I see. I see. You see what I'm saying? No, I'm, I'm, and I'm, I was I very much in the same boat. Like once I realized that, like you can read the novel. Right. And the they novel usually take. They usually take like yeah. the first draft right. of the script. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and they're all written by Peter David for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they return like, to Swamp Thing better. <laughs> like, like, like Andrew here, um, I love Lord of the Rings. Now yeah. I love Lord of the Rings as the book, uh -huh. as you know. I love yeah, the yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy book. I, I read the Hobbit. Mm -hmm. I read the Silmarillion. Mm -hmm. okay? yes. Oh, yeah. yes. So and I had the version of the of the the Lord of the Rings that had the index. So um, so watching, you know, watching like the extended cut of the Lord yeah, of the Rings yeah. for me is just. Like reading the book. Yeah, screw pacing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a certain not... kind of movie in which I can accept it, and I can right. accept that with everything. But with this movie that is like literally about the depth right, of right, experience, right. I can take that. If you're gonna with Lord like, Lord. I, I mean this in a positive way, wallowing. You know, <laughs> it's yes. waiting, waiting so through that fucking world. And it's, it's something yeah. that we do for like a day. Literally, yeah. me and my dad will. Sometimes it's just me and my dad. Uh, but it like I popped on the Fellowship of the Ring over Christmas break. I, this is like I watched the Fellowship of the Ring three times over Christmas break. Right. Extended version every single time. And it's something that we just, it was something that we did with our day. It wasn't something that we just sat down, got our popcorn, get ready and like whatever. It's just something, it's something that we did. Right. Like, yeah. you know, you know, I'm saying, but with aliens, with aliens, I can, it's less of a, this must be the cut yeah. situation with me. Like I can understand 
where the facing issues is coming because it is long. I'm yeah, I'm not crazy about the even the going from yeah. Like, I'm not crazy about the special edition. I'm not two and a half. Crazy. Crazy. Like, about it's, it's interesting. It, it goes. goes I saw and here's here's one of the big things. I saw the special edition first. Right. Well, here's here's my thing, Sai. When you're saying that you you love the special edition, yes. Did you see that first, and That's did a, you see that a lot? Was that your go-to? That I was the one. I, that was the one I first saw in full length, uh-huh. and and with more frequency than the original. Yeah. Yeah. And when I finally popped the original in, I was like, this is okay probably was okay at the time it was released. Yeah. But the special edition, this extended version, this is what should have been shown in the theater. Right. Let's talk about this. Let me just run down this real quick. It says the original version, this is from moviecentorship.com. The original version, however, was too long for the production studio, so it demanded several cuts to tighten up the plot. Especially the all-American audience was not trusted to have the ability to sit through a movie at 148 minutes. Well, I'm a godfather over two hours long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, three hours, three hours. If I could, Look, crazy. Each movie was three hours. Ripley uh, or background information that happened to be about Newt's parents. But also, some of the action got cut out, the sentry guns we were talking about. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It might not be elementary, but for people who want the entire experience, it's still part of the movie. Among the fans, that are, there are two factions. One's preferring the theatrical cut and one's perform, uh, preferring the director's cut. The advantage of the theatrical version, and this is where I kind of agree, uh, is that it's better flowing and faster. The director's cut, and I also agree with this, however, offers more depth and information. This is also the opinion of direct uh, of uh, James Cameron, who prefers the director's cut, also calling it the special edition, which he thinks is better and a more exciting version of the movie. However, Sigourney Weaver made it clear which version she prefers. She threatened to never shoot another Alien film if the longer director's cut was released. <laughs> wow. wow. Which fucked over Dave Fincher, too, I'm sure. You know what's, yeah. inter- what's interesting about the director's cut of Aliens is that when you, when you watch it for me I see where um, James Cameron's pacing style can be mirrored in that type of step story in uh, Avatar he I mean Avatar you know isn't I don't know I've never is there is there a director's cut of Avatar yes there is it's like I want to say 30 minutes longer really right it's interesting though and I really liked it Oh, yeah, wow. he, he, <laughs> you know, he, he, um, That's where your I could see, I could see more. I, so with the director's cut of Aliens, yeah. um, I would prefer less stuff prior to the Soloco being there. 34 when, minutes before yeah, you get you, to it. I mean, you, you, you see, you see sound too bad. You see Newt's parents. You see Newt, that stuff is cool. Let me, but then to go to, to but then to go to, go to to Ripley waking up, and I mean, I, I I appreciate the stuff with her daughter. Let me bullet point the I, the broad strokes. Okay. okay, we have a scene with uh, Ripley where she finds out what age her her daughter is and how much she's lost. Okay, mm-hmm. 
the other major scene that everybody remembers is basically seeing Hadley's Hope on LV-426 with uh, the colonists, seeing what life is like there, also seeing Newt, her brother, and her mother and father. Her, her, her father seems to be an explorer or whatever, you know, doing some sort of mining. And uh, of course, this is the setup for everything because it's it's kind of parallel cut between Ripley back, you know, trying to find find out her own life, find her bearings, and of course, what's going on in Hadley's Hope, and it's not completely pieced together. Right. Right. But then, of course, Newt's father gets a face hugger on, and everybody knows what the fuck's going on. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, in the theatrical cut, it could be argued that you don't need Newt's parents. I don't, I don't give a damn about what happened on Hadley. <laughs> what happened on Hadley's Hope? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because you know from that fucking meeting with Waylon Yutani and all the guys that got killed behind her, and what the, the alien has acid for blood, and no one believes her. You, you know, know Ripley's right. You know, you know yeah, Ripley's right. right. We wouldn't have a movie if Ripley wasn't right. right. So you know shit is not right on LV426. Right. Right. It's also more suspenseful because when they do show up on LV426, you've never seen it. You, never seen it. Right. you don't know the layout of the place. You don't even know what the place looks like. I remember watching this scene um, when I first got the Blu-ray and, you know, kind of vaguely remembering that it wasn't, like, in the film. Yeah. And being like, man, this is really clunky. Yeah. Like, it, you know. It works in an organization. I'm, it I'm does. Gonna, it's also the Dark Horse comic that I'm talking yeah. about. And that scene is great in the comic. I don't, I don't think that scene mm -hmm. is necessary. And if there were anything that it would cut from the film, it would be that. Mm -hmm. Um... It's not super useful. It's not a particularly great scene. It's um, redundant. It yeah. is. It is a bit redundant. I don't. I'm not bothered by it. Again, maybe because I, I, my understanding of the movie was formed with that in there. Right. So I never had that. Oh, what does it look like? I knew what it looked like by the time I watched the actual yeah. version. Yeah. But at the same time, it's. I will admit, it's not a particularly great scene. However, we did mention the theme with Ripley's daughter. Yeah. yeah. And I found. I find that scene. I personally find that scene to be fundamental to the film. And again, this is coming as somebody who saw the special edition first, because that that scene informed her entire relationship with Nuke for me. And That's I can true. say that again about the people who I watched the film with this yeah, past yeah. summer, who were seeing it all for basically the first time. Yeah. And I was discussing it with them after the word, like all the different scenes that were added, yeah. were cut, like whatever, what were what were in the film initially. And I had remember watching the thing. I was like, oh right, and the thing with Ripley's daughter at the beginning. And they were shocked right. that they had that that was not an Indian version of the movie. They'd be like, yeah. how does any of it make sense over that? I guess it does, but to them it was fundamental. You're right. That's right. But that one scene right there, though, I mean, the fact that they added that one scene about Ripley and her daughter, you think with the addition of that one scene right there, they didn't need to add the whole Haley's... Hadley's Hope. Yeah, I'm not super keen on that. But I am keen on that dynamic between Ripley and Newt being the way that I understood it, and that way really worked for me. Right. See, I'm I'm not a fan of... Because because film is a works off of visual language. And I think this goes back to Nick's point about novelizations. I'm not a fan of anything that's, that can't be done shorthand. And 
It I, should be finite and brief. Yeah. Actually, it should be. I feel you like, should use yeah. the least amount of strokes yeah. to paint Anything the picture. You, any exposition that you can explain visually without uh-huh. having to use yeah. exposition should be. Yeah. Yeah. But did and they explain that sufficiently? But no. Yeah. But here's the thing. You, you, you know, really, with the, with you know really really has a daughter. She was like, I had a daughter and she's dead. Like that. that yeah. Was, but it's yeah. it's such like a it's such a throwaway moment it's in that original it's version. It's not. But nothing hinges. But it's not. It's not. It's like, oh, I had a daughter and she's dead. Like I. I mean, like, it's just you such could, a, it's, it sounds like an argument. excuse rather than a You could make the argument why, why she's so reticent to come back on a mission yeah. is because her whole life is destroyed because of this 84, 84 57 years? 57 years? 57. Cryosleep. Right. I could make she, a point that her whole life but is it's destroyed. Everything, everything, everything she, she knew was gone now. I think she's reticent. See, yeah, see, see this head, this daughter thing kind of confuses people as to why Ripley is reticent. Ripley is reticent because... She was lost for 57 years, yeah, yeah, and yeah. when Waylon Yutani basically fired her and said, you lost our cargo, yeah. you shouldn't yeah. have blown up the yeah. ship. Why'd you blow up at, what was it, $7 billion yeah. ship or something? And they knew, He's like, I they told knew you that why. aliens existed. They knew yeah. that this alien existed, and they still treated her like a dick and fired her. Yeah. Right. And so, so she's sitting at home, she can't be a spacer. She's a spacer, she's yeah. a space trucker. Right. Just yeah. to use, she has to use, a, now she's working as a forklift person. Well, she, she, not, her daughter's gone. Right? right, she's a forklift person now. It's she got also, fired, and, and now that's of course that's why she's reticent. It's she's also like, if, you, if you're coming off of the reference, and I mean not to state the obvious, but this is absolutely true. If you're talking about the mother spaceship and alien, basically saying uh, need to keep the organism all crew is expendable, and then you jump to you know what Waylon Yutani is all about. Right, they're about the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Right, so why is it? Everyone knows from the get that Burke is a company man right. and you know when they're down there what Burke's whole point is right. even before you get to the fucking scene with them stuck in that room with right. the face up what did they add as far as that did they add anything as far as that uh, no no the, the, the next big parts um, there are little cuts um, right. um, little suspense scenes uh, the Sulaco uh, bleed in like the intro to the Sulaco is longer that, I like that, yeah, that I like. that's what that I, I like that's, that I like. that's great that's, that's more atmosphere know. yeah that, that's, I will, I will agree I will absolutely agree about the the happiness hope yeah, yeah. at the beginning that that doesn't um, but yeah then the other big part of it like like I said in the the intro of the differences is uh, there's a major part taking out that adds to the action and the suspense and when they're walled in that room and there's how many of them six of them left and they're uh, welding the door and everything they leave these sentries out there a great idea these fucking motion tracker sentries right. It really is fantastic how that builds suspense. You 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 know without even seeing the alien right. that this threat is imminent. Right. I loved it's crazy. The tourist scene is great. I, I was I was I understand like how and why it can be cut. However, when I when I found out that it, that it wasn't in the theatrical version, that is one of the two things, including the daughter thing, and I'm still, still hanging on to that. One of the two things, <laughs> one of the two things that I was just deeply bothered was not there because I remember that scene just being like them not showing the aliens really, yeah. but like mostly you hearing it, you seeing the gunfire yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. I remember being like, is, are they going to come through? Is, is the finale going to start like yeah. now? And like, leading up to that moment, right when the spoiler bunch come down, you're like, I was like, oh snap, here comes the finale, and they stop. And I was like, 
Oh my gosh. Like, I, like, I remember like, leaning back in my chair. That scene was just so fundamentally intense. But I love that it it's always hanging over, obviously, right after everyone gets decimated, how little ammo they have. Right. And the right. thing is this. The audience all knows it's going to happen. Yeah. Ripley knows it's going to happen. Yeah. But everybody else in the cast are just oblivious or just so reticent to take her word for it. So right. the thing about the, about the, about the, the tours is that instead of seeing in the theatrical cut, instead of seeing those turrets, you hear them. Um, there's, a, there's a certain, it's nice to see those turrets. It is very nice, but I understand the economy of, 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 of Keeping stop, it with the characters? Yeah, well, well the, the economy of, 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 of your storytelling that you, that you right. have here. It's like, well, you know what? I could show an extra 90 seconds to two minutes of these gun turrets or I could take a little bit more time at the actual finale yeah, when she yeah. walks into that room yeah. and we get that sweet pan that we talked yeah. about. Right. You know. I, I mean, so that makes concentrate. That, yeah. that makes sense. He was, I, I, he was able to. He was able to still accomplish what, what, what you got with those turrets by just hearing them. You know, you, you hear. You know, you hear that bubble, and you know what that sound sounds like. You know what that sound is, and you hear. It's like. See, I, do, I don't remember because I didn't watch the theatrical for this cut. The turrets, the sentry guns are in the theatrical? I thought they were cut no, out. No, they, they're cut out. You hear them. You hear them? Sensor ones. You hear them you a little. Them. You hear them a bit. It, for me, it wasn't the same thing. And I very did, very much did miss those. Because right. out of all the sequences that ratcheted up tension, I thought that that was one of the most successful, yeah. if not the most successful. Well, it's playing on that terror, on right. that suspense. And, yeah. as, and I'm not saying it has to be there for the movie to work. The movie works in this theatrical version. Like, I'm not, yeah. I didn't watch the theatrical version and be like, ugh, like, what did they do to this movie? It was still just, there were things that I had experientially the first time I watched it when I watched the special edition, that when they were missing, I did very much miss them. Right, right. And there were things that I was like, there was this, there was, a, there was a dimension to the movie that I felt was a little bit, it's, a little bit lost. It's what you get used to. Right. Because right. obviously, right. once you get used to it, you're you're tuned into that tempo. And if you go from special right. edition to theatrical, you're like something's missing. Oh, missing. Yeah. If you go from theatrical to special edition, you're like this is a little long. Yeah. So it is Can't what be. that tempo you turn yeah. tuned into. You tend to be more biased in favor of special edition. Yeah. That's the one you saw first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I am super into long-winded things. I am. I'm not. Not only am I into extended version, I'm into sequels, and I'm into watching sequels right, right after the first. Like I'm, in, I'm right. into like the wait most minute, lengthy. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. This is gonna come back to haunt you. When you complain about Marvel having ten movies in that game. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 That is an issue this about is not life. that podcast. That is, that is not a life. This thing. is okay. not it, that it, podcast. I enjoy long-winded things. I enjoy long-winded things. I enjoy long-winded things. Look, 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 look. So there are a couple more that. character scenes. There's a couple lines of dialogue that are cut out. Your boy Hudson has a little, a couple more scenes. But the one, the last one that I wanted to note was. There's one more exchange with Hicks and and, uh, and Ripley right before she goes to save Newt. And uh, she says, see you, Hicks. And Hicks says, Dwayne. It's Dwayne. And Ripley's like, Ella. That wasn't in the That theatrical? was not in the theatrical. And uh, he huh. says, don't be gone long, Ellen. We'll this is done. a great character fucking moment. Like, it this is. point is that, that is, is that connection. That is a good moment that, that you do miss. And it's, it's just, it's just, they have everything just to know. Make it it's, out. It's, that's very subtle, too. It is. Yeah. But you know what? James Cameron gets he, he he gets he gets accused of not having these character building moments because his action is so great, yeah. right? Yeah. That people miss these little moments. Like there's another thing when 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 she goes to get new, she's you know she's assembling her mega gun, right? And she she's assembling her mega gun, 
and she and she and she's uh, and she's like um she's like Bishop, you know um you better be here when I get back. And and Hicks is sitting there. He's like, we ain't going. Yeah, yeah, we ain't not going. Nowhere. I just realized it's so quick. Yeah, we ain't going. Nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like uh, yeah. I, that, that, that's another great character point about Bishop that she com- almost gets to that point where she doesn't trust him and she doesn't trust him when he when he when she thinks that he's he left, left him. Yeah. But he tr- she trusts him when they get back on the ship. You oh, did yeah. good, Bishop. Absolutely. I I think she I think she she she, she began she began to trust him. Yeah. Right, and when she went to go go back and get new, she was it was like she 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 had trusted him, and she she sure. felt she had to remind him, hey, dude, yeah, don't leave, all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when she got back upstairs, I think she trusted him. She was like, right. oh, God I, damn, I, I, you know but what? But it's, it's the company guy. She thinks, right. oh, he's an android. I've right. dealt with an android before. Right. That's a company guy. And she she almost she she conveys Ripley, yeah. uh, you know. So Gordon Weaver conveyed so much emotion when she gets up that elevator, yeah. and she's looking, and he's not there. She's yeah. like, like she's like when she says uh-huh. Bishop, it's like she's more saying to herself, yeah. "Dang, I trusted that fool, yeah, yeah. and I shouldn't have. I knew I shouldn't have trusted him. Yeah, yeah. One of his boys tried to yeah. shove a Time magazine down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I love. He, uh, he tried to go five, five by five down my pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that you brought it back to this also because we forgot to t- I forgot to say this earlier when we're talking about reveals when we're revealing the queen that reveal of her in the elevator with the smoke and it's dark oh, behind yeah. it, Beautiful. how did he do yeah, that to get that face just a, you see a little bit of that face and then yeah. you see the that smoke was, clears that was suspenseful yeah. I don't know how that's wizardry yeah because that's all practical that yeah, and like that and that's like you can't just control shadow, that, man. Just light and shadow. That that scene. First of all, when that elevator's coming up, and she's just like, she's just holding the girl. She's uh-huh. looking around. She's like, and she's just resigned to, just don't look, baby. Don't look. Yeah. Don't look. And that door opens up, and it's that's a great. Scene. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is great. That's spectacular. Okay, guys, we. I gotta say that this has been one of the best talks on a movie I've had. So thank you so much for joining me. This is the, this is the director's cut. This is the director's cut. We won't be cutting out the action at the end. Uh, Andrew is Hadley's hope. <laughs> That's the meanest thing anyone's ever said to me. That's the meanest thing. That can't be uh, think about the gravity of that for a second. I am the happiest hope in this special true. edition. <laughs> Nick, can you give me one A-pone line for us to go out on? Assholes and elbows. What? Assholes and elbows. Thank you, guys. Did IQ suddenly drop when I was away? <laughs> <laughs>